Welcome to So You Think You Can Belto. I'm Jessica Harper, a soprano and hot beverage enthusiast based in Antwerp. And I'm Jeremy Bolton, a coffee-obsessed lyric baritone based in Munich. (laughs) Jeremy and I have created this podcast to empower emerging artists across Australia and the world with access to the direct knowledge and relayed experiences of operatic artists and practitioners. We aim to help inform emerging artists with this podcast resource and to hold a mirror to the opera system so that artists can make their own individually informed decisions about auditions, competitions, engagements and more. You'll hear everything from in-depth artist interviews to long-form panel discussions on topics concerning emerging artists. Welcome to this brilliant episode with Anna Mann, Erste Sopran, in the Chor at Theater St. Gallen. I would just like to say, firstly, that the first five to ten minutes, somewhere in there, of this podcast, <laughs> unfortunately, it doesn't have the best audio quality. However, as it goes on, it gets better because I decided to move a microphone into the correct position, and then it went a lot better. So, apologies for that, but nevertheless, please persevere with this. You will love it. She was absolutely brilliant to talk to and opened my mind and will open your mind to all sorts of things that happen in a core and what the job is like. So Anaman, welcome to So You Think You Can Belto. Thank you. We've just continued a conversation, so there's not really a start and end to this. As well, there will be an end to it, but okay. there hasn't been really an official start. So there we, there we are, we can call that our official start. Cool. Um, thanks for speaking to me. So just briefly, um, we are together in this production of Les Mis in German. In German. In German. Yeah. Who'd have thought that? I know. It is it's quite strange to replace the English lyrics that I already have in my head. Yes. I mean, I'm sure you knew the piece before we started rehearsing as well. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Just replace it all in my mind. Yes. Mm. Into this strange... It's still like, obviously, English alphabet and all that, but it's... Mm. It's a weird language, and we'll talk more about that. Mm. But basically, we're doing this production of Les Mis. Um, I'm here on behalf of the Gärtnerplatz Theater, which is doing a co-production with the Theater St. Gallen, mm-hmm. of in- which you're in the chorus of. Yes. And I'm in the opera studio of the Gärtnerplatz Theater. So, yes, we're doing mostly the same thing, to be honest. The, the difference between ensemble and chorus is not ginormous, because all the, the ensemble do the choruses as well. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, but you, you guys have a lot more to do than we do. We, we're, uh... we climb on the barricade a lot more. You have more fun. <laughs> yes. We need to shoot the guns. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Which are just cap guns. Still fun. <laughs> like play with fake blood and stuff. Yeah, yes, yeah. which has just been canned. Do you know about that? I did. I did hear about that. Yeah, yes. yeah. It's such a shame. We kept splashing it all over the orchestra. Oh. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> so something for the Vorstand to sort out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, I think they complained. So that's, a, sh- that's a shame. It is. It looked really good on opening night. Yeah, it, it looks. It always looks epic, but yeah. Oh yeah. well. Oh, well, you have yeah. to keep the orchestra happy. Yes, absolutely. We don't mm. want to damage instruments. So. Mm. But here we are in this production of Les Mis. We have another how many performances? <laughs> Too many. Maybe not enough. We might enjoy it by that time. Quite a few, actually. It's We've 20 odd. Yeah, yeah, 20, 20 overall, I think. We've, it's spread out over the rest of December and then it's every weekend in January and I think every weekend, if not every second weekend in February as well. Mm. Yeah, so quite spread out. Yes. Hmm. It's a pretty cool production. You find you're enjoying it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, we've spoken about this off, off, uh, off the recording as well, yes. but 
it's really cool to be surrounded by musical theatre singers again. Mm. Uh, it's a very different energy. Yes. Um, Where do they get it from? Well, dot 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 dot. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just a uh, musical theatre singers are a different breed, they you know, are, yeah. as opposed to opera singers. And that's not a snobby comment. They they well, bring I, other things. They're I not saying that absolutely do not mean that in a no. snobby way. No, 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 just a totally different energy. Yes. Yeah, 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 different upbringing, different, obviously very different style of singing and method of producing the sound. Um, yeah. Yeah, but it. I think it's just this, this production, this piece, the music is so epic and yeah. so uh, so special, so intense, yeah. especially when you pair it with a proper orchestra. Yes. Um, the orchestra here is fantastic, really, really high quality, high standard. So, yeah, it's been, it's been very interesting to sort of mix, mix the two worlds. Yes, that's very true. Mm. That might work better. Sorry, yeah. I just moved something. Um, so basically... Yeah, I, I think it is an interesting mix. And mm. I find interesting how German theatres... Well, I know we're in Switzerland. <laughs> mm. <laughs> we'll talk about that later too. Mm. Um, but basically how they just do everything in a theatre. Mm. You guys are just yeah. so diverse in what you do. Yeah, totally. And I'd love to talk about the Elba that you, you guys did mm-hmm. in a moment. Um, but you guys do crazy modern works like that. You're doing Lamias at Anani. Mm-hmm. Um, like that's a chorus heavy work. You know. Yeah, Adonani, you mean? Adonani, or, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there's, there's quite a bit. Mm. Yeah, you definitely have to be very diverse mm. uh, as a chorus singer. But mm. in any German Swiss theatre, they really, they really expect you to be able to do everything. Yes. Which has its advantages and has its disadvantages, of course. But yeah, you definitely have to be flexible. Yes. Yeah. Which is something that I really, really enjoy. That's part of the job I really enjoy is the the diversity. Um, yeah, I'm sure we. I'm sure we'll get into that as well. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Mm. Um, tell us about Lily Elba. Actually, that'd be cool to talk about if you can. Did you see the piece? No, I haven't. Okay. Um, but it's good though because I do know that it's on Opera Vision. Yes. So yeah. I can still watch it. That's a good plan. Because none of the, there wasn't a possibility for me to see it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Yeah, cool. so that, that's a good plug. Thank you. So yes. yeah, the the piece was recorded on was it our opening night? I think it was our opening night. Oh, okay, that's um, cool. Yeah, and it Which is. Which is the work of Fulgong. Yes. World premiere. Yeah, world premiere. Brand new work. Um, American composer Tobias Pinker. We have to double check that pronunciation. That's fine. Yeah. Um. Uh. Yeah. Just really interesting work. I I really enjoyed the process of putting it together. So basically the story is about the very first trans woman Mm -hmm. who undertook gender confirmation surgery Mm. in the 1920s, 1930s. It's very early, if you think about that. That's a long time ago. It is, yeah, 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 long time ago. So it was really pushing a lot of boundaries and Mm. uh, really challenging for, uh, for the time that it was set. Um, yeah, so the the protagonist is um, was formerly a Danish painter, um, and then went through this process of discovery, and uh, and then had the gender affirmation surgery in Dresden, in Germany. Really, it was in Germany. In Germany, yeah, that's <laughs> where that's where this uh, this specific doctor was based, uh, who was the one who was experimenting with these kind of surgeries. So, yeah, she traveled there, had the surgery, uh, 
I think the first surgery was successful and then unfortunately she died from complications mm. uh, when they tried to implant a womb. That was one of the surgeries. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So, so That's highly experimental. But yeah. Time. Really, really, really pushing the boundaries. Yeah. But wow. it, it was a, a really interesting piece to put together. We had quite a lot of transgender singers and queer members of the cast, mm. um, which made it feel quite a bit more authentic in a way. Mm. The, the, main, the main role uh, is a set for baritone voice as well. Mm-hmm. And it stays as a baritone for the entire piece, even when she transitions. Wow. When, when the character transitions. Okay. Uh, so it's... Are yeah. there any extended vocal techniques? Like falsettos mm, and things like that? No, not for that role. Okay. No. Wow. But the music... I don't know what you think, but often modern music mm. can be quite experimental <laughs> to put it uh, yeah. to put it um, like softly yeah, sure. <laughs> um, sometimes it can be a little difficult to listen to yeah, yeah but I I found this music really enjoyable to sing mm. it felt like it, it sit really well in in the voices um, the orchestration was beautiful like lush that just really really good yeah 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 just Your just they are very very good standard yeah. of course we have an amazing um head chief conductor mm-hmm. gets them in line but yeah we'll, we'll talk about the orchestra sure. and the the standard of this house mm. a bit later as well because i think it surprises some people oh, yeah sort of flies under the radar a bit mm. but yeah so the the process of putting together this piece was really detailed obviously Mm. it's a world premiere so we were creating everything from scratch we had no um no real uh background i guess Mm. to to draw inspiration from everything was just fresh Mm. um yeah it was very interesting and as a chorus member we were mostly playing um the society at the time obviously Mm. and most of the time we were against Lily Elba, the, mm. the protagonist, we were against the whole notion of transgender people. And like, there's some really cool scenes where we play judges, for example, and we're, mm. we're trying to work out, you know, well, now Lily Elba wants to separate from who was her wife, formerly, you know, annul the marriage. We're trying to work out, you know, what are the laws surrounding this? That we have mm. no laws. There, yes. there is nothing that exists. So what do we do? Stuff like that. It's, it was a really enjoyable piece to put together. Mm. Yeah. And the the set, how they staged it as well, um, quite minimalistic. A lot of mm. a lot of wooden paneling, that kind of thing. Mm. But just it, it looked really impressive mm. from this from the audience. Mm. So yeah, it was a really enjoyable production. Mm. I'm hoping it comes back next year. Yeah, hopefully we, it does. We will see. Yeah, or it might be reproduced somewhere else, I guess. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. And the the other thing is that. The, the baritone who played the main role, mm. Lucia Lucas, uh, I feel like she might be able to take this as mm. one of her signature roles going mm. forwards because it got some pretty good v- reviews. Like the music, the piece itself was received really well. So, yeah, if it can take off, then, then maybe this can be mm. her thing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's great when do something different push the boundaries mm. and 
like you said, with modern music, it can be a bit hard for audiences and mm. hard on the ears. And I don't think that's a criticism of audiences. I think that's just, I mean, you turn the radio on, you hear consonant music. Mm. You go to most classic con- classical concerts and you hear the same consonant music and tonalities. Mm. Um, and it's, you know, it takes a while for things to move forward and things. Um, but you can write these fabulous pieces and be, mm-hmm. and be um, consonant. There are a lot of modern composers who are still very consonant composers and use, perhaps this is the wrong word, but nicer dissonances. Yeah, <laughs> more, <laughs> more uh, audience-friendly. <laughs> audience-friendly dissonances, Pleb-friendly. yes. friendly That's right, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yes. To me, uh, consecutive fifths will never be a... A nice dissonance. I'm just going to put that on the record. Okay, but, okay. okay. <laughs> but, you know, major sevenths and nines and things like that are. Mm. They create and they open up different sound worlds. And it's very interesting. Mm. And uh, like I fondly remember a production of um, Whiteley that was done by Opera Australia when by, and it's written by Elena Katz-Chernan. This is a fabulous composer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, voted number one Australian composer in, by the, on, in, on the ABC, the national broadcaster, you know. So um, th- th- that's the way to do it for a lot of composers anyway to, to remain um accessible i suppose yeah so accessible is a good word yeah 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 well, you, you make it you make it friendly enough or recognizable enough mm. to to normal regular opera listeners or mm. cl- classical music listeners but yeah if, if you can if you can stay within that world within mm. that sort of soundscape but then push the boundaries a little bit you that's know? right you don't yeah. you don't have to go to extremes that's right Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I just got to mention, I went to a, I went to a concert the other night. I went to the Minchin Philharmonie and I saw Barbara Hannigan. You know Barbara Hannigan? Mm, yeah. She conducts and sings. And mm-hmm. She's amazing. And there was this, oh, I've forgotten her name now. Terrible. But a Greek soprano. And she did um, Claude Vivier's uh, The Lonely Child, which if you like sort of crazy modern music, Go check it out. And it was the reason why I went to the concert, because I do like some of that. Mm-hmm. But I think generally it's a bit hard on the ears um, for most of the audience. And I noticed the audience, some of them were quite disapproving oh. of how crazy that was. But if it was you... balanced out by a program of Ives and um, other composers, like the, like American composers, and it's then really... rounded off by a Haydn symphony. Okay. So you can do that. <laughs> Sandwiched with easy listening. <laughs> yes. Mm. Although it's, yeah, it was, it was actually sandwiched but it was more challenging at the beginning perhaps okay but hannigan did a great job yeah. anyway all that aside you are in the chorus of theater sans gunnen i am can you tell us how you got there from the beginning please <laughs> or um define beginning yes that's <laughs> how far back do you want to go <laughs> i mean okay well, yeah maybe briefly touch on maybe how you started um did you join a choir or something when you were little or was there yeah. a show opportunity? And then how did you get into opera and then end up here? Okay, <laughs> sure. Back to the beginning. Um, I started out with piano lessons when I was very young in primary school. Mm-hmm. I think it was five. So started uh, getting some musical education there. Um, I had piano lessons all throughout my schooling. So all mm-hmm. the way from the beginning of primary school to the end of high school. Uh, and I, when did I start singing? I remember singing in obviously just class, like learning, mm. um, in New Zealand we have what's called waiata, which are Maori songs. So sometimes we sing them together as the class or in school assemblies. And it's interesting. I remember this, 
I have this very distinct memory of being in year four at primary school and we were just singing a, a wayata, a song in class in the morning and I, I just had this moment where I realized that I was singing in tune but no one else around me was. It was I don't know why that's stuck in my mind but it's a very strong memory. Um, yeah. yeah, and then my first real production or performing experience mm -hmm. I had was being in the school production in primary school. Mm -hmm. um, I just auditioned just because. You what know, were they doing? Was it a mix of like a pantomime or something? Or? Yeah, pretty much. It was yeah, a, cool. a play written by the principal and the librarian. And I love that stuff. Chuck a whole bunch of pop songs in and make <laughs> it fun, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it was good. It was a good experience. Good fun. Um, yeah, and then I played in some bands and things and um, what else? And then at intermediate school, which is between primary and high school. Do you have that in Australia? No, or? Um, that's kind of like Germany. They have like some sort of middle. They have like Grundschule oh, and they God. have something the, else. And then... The German system is uh, very complex. Yeah. Well, I guess you know <laughs> about the Swiss system or... I don't know a lot about it. I know it's similar to Germany, but I think even more difficult or even higher standards here. Oh, well, yeah. Thank God that's over for us. Yeah, we don't have to think about it. Yeah. Oh. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, right. Okay, so you had a middle school. Yeah. Right? So Which is what age? Uh, for our Australian audience. So, no so our <laughs> primary school is from years one to six. Intermediate yes. school is from seven, year seven and eight. And then high school is from nine to 13. Oh, okay. And so when you hit, did they have different types of the highest school? Like the higher school? Like you do, because um, in Germany, some of them do trades and then some of them do like gymnasium, which is like getting ready for uni. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, normally it's it's just a straight high school okay. slash college. Um, right. You can call it either, but uh, but things get more serious at that point, and then you could do exams and things. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And of course, when you're when you're in high school, you can choose your main subjects, uh -huh. the things you actually want to study. I love um, that part of my schooling. Yeah. Get rid of maths. Yeah, <laughs> ditch the ditch the boring stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or the challenging stuff. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, right. um, so did a bunch of productions there. Cool. Um, cool. When I was in, when I got to high school, mm -hmm. I was very fortunate to have just the most wonderful music teacher there, mm. the head of the department. I, I'm still in touch with her. I, oh, I contact nice. her uh, now, and I just have a lot of admiration for this woman because she mm. she was so passionate and so dedicated to her job, but she also had an amazing ability to see people's real talents. Mm. So she could, she could really, uh, she was very good at guiding people and sort of pointing them in, in the direction that would best show their strengths. Mm. So when I got to high school, I, I was kind of set in my mind that I wanted to be a pianist, but she, she heard me audition for the school choir and she, she heard me singing and she said, you know, I think you should maybe take some singing lessons instead. Mm. Maybe maybe look to go in that direction. Mm. Uh, so I started doing singing lessons about 15, I think. Um, mm. Sang in the school choirs. And then at the end of high school, I was very, very fortunate. Uh, our school production in my last year of high school was Sweeney Todd. 
Oh, nice. And I did Mrs. Lovett, which was just... She's the one who bakes everyone into pies, right? Yep. Yeah, there you go. I've never seen it. Oh, God. It, it is such a fun show. Yeah, cool. So much fun. So I have, yeah, again, very, very strong, very good memories of being in that production. Mm. Um, when I was in high school, when I started taking singing lessons, mm-hmm. my teacher also taught at the university, which was not so far away, um, the University of Waikato, which is in mm-hmm. Hamilton, for anyone who knows New Zealand. Uh, so after high school, I went there and I continued studying with her. I did a Bachelor of Music, which is three years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I added on a fourth year to do honours. Mm. So I technically have a Bachelor of Music with first class honours. And what did you do your honours thesis on? I actually studied... Yeah, interesting. I actually studied uh, different methods of body awareness. And so I focused mm. on the Alexander technique and oh, the cool. Feldenkrais method. What so is I, the Feldenkrais method? It's a similar vein to the Alexander technique. Right. But uh, with the Feldenkrais method, the practitioners, they never lay a hand on you. They never actually mm. physically manipulate your body. They don't touch you ever. They guide you through voice cues and prompts to help you mm, discover areas of certain tension in the body and also how to help you figure out yourself how to release it. So it's all it's it's like a self-led practice, basically, because Mm. you're the one who has to to feel it and find it all in your body. Mm. It's it's not done through any like external massage or anything like that, mm. okay. which I found fascinating, absolutely yeah. fascinating. So Is I, it um, helpful to, like, does it work by, do you have a discussion about what tension you have? Uh, yeah, so you, mostly you go to a practitioner and you mm. tell them uh, what what's going on in your body and they will tailor their sessions, obviously, to, to whatever your needs are, whatever you're struggling with. Um, for example, I knew I had, I had a colleague who had just had a surgery and was struggling with the recovery, was, was really struggling to regain strength, but also mm-hmm. to, to manage a lot of pain. Yeah. Uh, so it was very helpful for him with his pain management, mm-hmm. um, just to sort of get the body into a better alignment so mm-hmm. that, so that everything was working better, yes. working more efficiently. Yeah, yeah. So I, I've always been fascinated with with uh, f- health, with f- f- the physical health. As a singer, it's very important, but also with the sort of the, the psychological edge to maintaining a, a healthy body. Mm-hmm. So that's why I think the Feldenkrais method was so um, attractive to me. Why mm. I was really so fascinated by it. Uh, yeah, so in my in my last year at university, I I studied the Alexander Technique Feldenkrais method, and I worked with some practitioners. And at the end of my year, to do as my final presentation, mm. I gave a workshop to mm-hmm. all of my fellow singers, my fellow students, mm-hmm. and just to to basically open their eyes to it and mm. and try and give them a few tools or methods that I had found particularly useful mm. myself. Yeah. Have you mm. ever have you ever worked with an Alexander Technique yes. teacher or um, briefly. 
not with the teacher necessarily, the, the conservatoire in Sydney put on these workshops. Mm-hmm. And I went along once and I literally just had one problem to solve. <laughs> it's just a pretty funny problem. I, I sat through watching other people do things, like they would bring their flute. It was just multi-instrumental mm-hmm. sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And the, the conservatorium, I think the Students Association paid for it. So like, well, our fees paid for it. But you know what I mean? Like they organised it. It was a really good idea, actually. Um, <laughs> that and organising the con ball where everyone gets completely smashed every year, <laughs> which is also very important, my Yes, rite of passage. Yes, <laughs> necessary. <laughs> uh, so went along to this thing and people were breathing better all of a sudden and mm, feeling mm-hmm. real more relaxed. You had violinists sort of could get rid of their shoulder tension quite quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a really good, good teacher who had been, I, I think Alexander, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Alexander Technique had like approved people. Yes. Right. It's very rigorous yes. uh, methods, yeah. r- very rigorous examinations and mm. um, study. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's like a whole thing and they mm. had one of their great people. And I eventually got up, but it was kind of a bit embarrassing because I had tension in my backside. <laughs> oh, do tell. Yes. <laughs> well, I was sort of working with my teacher a bit and as I was adding more sort of more action in my support mechanism, mm-hmm. other muscles would creep in. You know? oh, they wanted to help. <laughs> yes, of yes. Course. Very helpful. You know? <laughs> and basically if you do... If you use those, well, I mean, look, there's people who are going to, uh, we tend not to talk about much technique on the podcast. Okay. I mean, we're going to do it anyway. <laughs> because course. it's like, um, so yeah. this is, we, we do rate every episode as explicit, so we can say basically whatever we want. Okay. And it's like, but I wanted to say this quote just briefly mm. um, to summarize everything as in with, with vocal technique, it's like, opinions are like assholes or opinions. I <laughs> love this quote. I love this quote. like assholes. Everyone has one. And some of them stink. <laughs> some of them stink. That's the second part. Yes. I'm glad you kicked in there with that one. Yeah, yeah. The punchline. So I, I think um, I was just adding more, as my voice was growing, adding more parts of, you know, using certain back muscles, using certain stomach muscles, and then it would creep in with bits of posture. And my teacher would be like, no, no, you just need to get rid of the tension. And, and like, um, and, and she was right. And, so I didn't necessarily go along there to fix it because the simple way to do it, which was actually what she showed me before I went to Alexander Technique, which was just maybe put your hand there, Jeremy. Or find a find a friend who can do it for you. And I thought, <laughs> well, that oh, sounds... gee, I don't have one of those, but uh, <laughs> don't have one of those right now. But um, yeah. but um, she was absolutely right um, to to release the tension somehow. Mm-hmm. And with AT, no one actually wanted to touch me that day, but. Um, it, the, the attitude towards the, the thing that sort of ticked me over the line in getting rid of the tension apart from actually touching it myself. That's very strange. I'm going to be discussing this <laughs> the right now. The things we do. The things we do, yeah. yes. Was to actually change the attitude toward tension, which is kind of what Alexander Technique talks about and mm-hmm. saying, okay, I ex- there's like a, a mantra they read or there was a mantra in this section, which was like, I accept that my body has tension, a certain level of tension, and that I can, I can release it, and I can decide how much tension I want to let in, or something to that effect. Yes. And I'm absolutely not approved to teach Alexander Technique. I have no idea. I've done one workshop where I 
sort of <laughs> release some tension in a certain place. But mm-hmm. um, but I found that was kind of like, okay, well, now I need to be more flexible in my thinking. Mm. Not every muscle has to be 100% loose or tight yeah. in my body. There's a balance. Yes. And it's like when you go and work with different coaches and teachers and like things like that uh, beyond the conservatorium. And I say coaches and teachers because a lot of coaches teach technique in mm. Europe, which yes. is, we can discuss that later. Yeah. But basically I found that it's like, well, maybe I just need to be a bit more liberal in my thinking okay. and be like, okay, there's a gray area of tension here or this. So things like that. And I found that really interesting to mm-hmm. be like, okay, this part of my body is now tense mm-hmm. and maybe it's not going to be helpful. So maybe I should try and reduce that and try, and try this new bit of technique and try this new concept that someone's trying to tell me. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm of the opinion that maintaining an open mind is always a good thing mm. in pretty much any situation. Mm. It's, al- it's always helpful. So what did you find with the two techniques for yourself with your vocal experience? So I... Um, did you use any of it on yourself or did you mainly focus on showing other people? Or No, I, I did definitely use it on myself. Okay. De- definitely. Um, one simple thing that I noticed was that when I stood to perform, I was always a little lopsided. One side yes. of my back um, was... The muscles along one side of my spine were tighter so it was sort of pulling my rib cage over to one side, over to the wow. left a little bit. So I managed to straighten that out a little bit or sort of uh, managed to release some of that tension so I was more straight. Yes. <laughs> my posture was better. Um, another thing I had always struggled with, struggled with was uh, a lot of tension in mm. my diaphragm and in my, um, in my abdominal muscles. Yes. I grew up playing a lot of sport, and so oh. so I was. What did you play? Mostly tennis, mm. a lot of tennis. That's a lot of abdominal tension. Yeah, it? it is. Yeah, yeah. You have to be very strong as a tennis player. Wow. Very fit. Yeah. So I was used to carrying that around with me uh-huh. all the time. I didn't yes. really know how to turn that off. Mm-hmm. So it was it was very useful learning how to turn that off, um, and also just figuring out how I could find a little more room for mm. my breath, mm. like more, more space for it to, for my ribs to expand. Yes. Um, I think that all ties into carrying that tension around in my core, but yes, yeah, just finding a little more flexibility there. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. So that my teacher, when we were in my last year of masters, we were tackling a lot of competitions together in Australia before I left or preparing for me to leave and, She's like, look, you know, you're not releasing your breath properly, Jeremy. Like, what's going on with you? Oh, I'm stressed out of my mind, Marie, and blah, 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 blah. And she said, look, you know, go and invest, she said, you know, go and investigate yoga mm. and deep breathing and stretching. I'm like, what? Why? Why would anyone do that? Sort of, you know, not that I ever thought this, but, you know, why would like, anyone do that progressive, blah, yeah, you know, crap, woo, woo, you woo. Know? I lift weights and go to the gym, you know, <laughs> but it was so helpful. Mm-hmm. And I had a session with this guy called James Corton, who was a professor at, in Sydney, flautist. Okay. And he's, he ran these yoga sessions that, of course, I never went to <laughs> um, over the six years of the con. But then he took the time and explained some things to me. He got me to do some breathing with him. Oh, my mind was just like so open. Mm. And so ever since then, every time I have something important, I do yoga. Mm. 
and I do a, I just get, I use down dog, which mm-hmm. is like really, really basic, but I've never been to a yoga class or anything, but, and I probably do it all wrong, but it does help me um, release my breath. Mm. It's funny you say that because mm-hmm. it's about doing the opposite of what your body does too, in order to stretch it out. Yeah, completely, mm. completely counteracting. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting you talk about yoga. Yoga is something that is very important to me as well. I do it mm. every day. Uh, I found it super useful as a singer, more so than something like Pilates. Pilates yes. is very, uh, very strength focused, but also very, um, there's a lot of focus on the core and really sort of toning the core. But yes. what I really enjoy about yoga uh, is the connection to the breath, which mm. sort of allows you to to dive deeper into the the mind as well. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just just really figuring out how to how to align the breath with the body with the mind. Mm. Yeah. So I, yeah, I, I'm a huge huge fan of yoga. Can't mm. recommend it enough. Seriously, as yeah. a, as a singer. Mm. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's so many singers who do yoga now. Mm-hmm. Like you see it all over Instagram, and maybe that's because they're being trendy or something. But I think it's actually they do use it, mm. and they are usually people with very flexible, interesting voices, mm. um, and also these people who just run around doing freelance traveling, singing in the biggest houses in the world. You just think, how do they keep themselves centered? Mm. Have to have something like that. That's interesting. I can't think, can't help but think it would help. That's interesting. It's it's an interesting comment. Yeah. And the thing about yoga is that there are so many different styles, so many different Mm. uh, methods of Mm. yoga that you can tailor it to whatever you need. Mm. I'm a huge fan of doing really sort of powerful strength building practices. Mm. But also, if you're someone who's really busy and really stressed, you can just focus on the breathing exercises. And that's even that will be a huge help. You, yes. know, you can really tailor it to whatever you need. Yeah, like Down Dog has a breathing setting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm just like, there's probably a, a like vinyasa and all these big words that I don't understand because I need to spend the time actually learning it. But hitting the breathing setting for even 15 minutes and rolling around while someone tells me what to do, or AI tells me something to do, mm-hmm. which I think is so cool, by the way, mm. um, for 60 bucks a year, and then suddenly you sing a whole bunch better. Yeah. yeah it's amazing. I mean, why not? Yeah, so Why not? cool. Great. So that's that's really interesting. We went off on a real tangent there. We did, but <laughs> important tangent. Mm. And so we can kind of come back to that and when you sort of use those things in mm. your technical progress and all this sort of thing. So, but once you've done you've done your bachelor and your honours, what what happened then? Mm-hmm. So I moved up to Auckland, which is a much bigger city. There's a lot mm-hmm. more going on there. I based myself there for a few years. Uh, and I sang in the chorus of New Zealand Opera, mm-hmm. which is not a full-time position. Mm-hmm. Everything there is just done on a base, a guest kind of basis. Yep. Um, did that for a few years, and then I, of course, was working other jobs at the time because mm-hmm. you know, can't survive. Yeah, pay those bills, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, and then I became a young artist with New Zealand Opera, yeah, cool. um, which was a, a year-long program. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that was, that was an interesting experience. What kind of things did you do? In terms of performances or... Yeah, yeah. What, roles, performances, anything like that. Uh, yeah, I mean, unfortunately, 
it was the year I did it was 2020, which oh, was shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dot dot dot. We need not say more. Yeah. So I was I was meant to be doing my debut as Barbarina oh, in cool. Figaro, but that got canned. Yes. Very quickly, which was a shame. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That was that was a real shame. So we kind of had to figure out what we could continue to do. We we did a whole bunch of sessions on Zoom with different teachers and experts and, you know, workshops and masterclasses and things. And then eventually when things started to open up again. You guys opened up super early once you eradicated the whole thing. Yeah, well, I mean, New like Zealand We were was... in lockdown in Australia and you guys were the rugby and stuff. I we were like, what are you all doing? I know, I remember. I remember <laughs> how, was that illegal? how was that legal? You Especially know? in Melbourne. I remember, I, I have yeah, yeah. a family yeah. in Melbourne and so I just, I remember how strict that was and how long that yeah. went on. Yeah. yeah. That's a, that's a real sort of black hole for a lot of people that time. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, New Zealand did open up relatively quickly mm. because they were so strict in yes. the beginning of it with their border controls. Very true. Yeah. They just locked the whole place down, essentially. Yeah, incredible. No one really came in or out. Mm. And you guys, sorry, I love these, I love random international political sort of stats. It's not even political, but you know, like population stats. You guys hit 5 million people for the first time Woo. when all your expats came home. Woo. And don't ask me why I know that, but I think that's really cool. <laughs> it's an achievement. It is an achievement. But they, you know, the, mean, the crazy thing yeah. is there's this really great image. Um, mm. You can Google it. It's a map, of, and it's got New Zealand. It's been superimposed over a map of Europe. So it yeah, shows right. you the, the land mass. Yes. New Zealand is enormous. Yeah, of course. It's an enormous country. But People do the same thing with Australia. Australia is uh, like with America. You see it on a globe. It's yeah. Who makes the globes? <laughs> yeah, but then people America forget yeah, <laughs> about Australia and New Zealand sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're actually enormous. Yeah. I mean, yeah, New Zealand just has a lot of sheep <laughs> and a lot of space, a lot of space for the Nothing sheep. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, no, it's just I always find that super interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. Right, so NZ Opera was, yeah, obviously, but hindered by by that. Yeah. Shame. Yeah. So really, the only thing we, the only really performing thing we could do, was some end of year concerts, just just for the young artists. We prepared a whole bunch of like see opera scenes basically. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah. Did they do any productions those two years? Uh, that's a good question. They. They put on the Marriage of Figaro the next year, right? But by that time, I was no longer. Yeah, yeah, I was no longer there. Um, Yeah, I think they they resumed pretty much as normal Mm -hmm. after twenty twenty. Yeah. Yeah, which was unfortunate timing for me. For me, at least. Didn't that like I mean the Delta whole COVID thing was a whole other thing, the second wave Uh big. Yeah. That just killed everything. Yeah. Again. Shut it down. Wow, what a wild time that was. Okay. It was a wild ride. And then what was your quest after that like? After Yeah, so at the end of 2020, in September, mm. I moved to Germany, mm-hmm. which was kind of a bold move at the time. Yes. It, you know, it, it, was, it was bizarre because New Zealand had been locked down for so long. Everyone in New Zealand was telling me, what are you doing what what are you doing at this time you shouldn't (laughs) move countries in the middle of a pandemic it's a stupid idea but i still did it 
And mm. I remember the, the first day I arrived in Germany and I, you know, got to my accommodation and I was just walking around. It was such a big difference, such a, such a huge uh, contrast to New yeah. Zealand. Everyone was walking around with no masks on. There was yeah. no social distancing. Mm. Totally different world. Yes. Which was a real, uh, real kind of liberating shock. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. And so I, yeah, so I moved to Germany. I based myself in Dresden, which yep. is in Saxony, sort yep. of East Germany. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was there for a year. Where and you met the other half of this podcast. In Jessica. I did. I yes. did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was also based in Dresden. She yes. moved there just before I did. Right. There you go. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Very cool, isn't it? Yeah. I know. It's such a small world. <laughs> such a small world. Yeah. So my, my plan when I moved to Germany was basically to audition for places for yes. young artist programs, but also for chorus work. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever I could find, basically, yep. uh, and also to to work intensively with a, a specific singing teacher. Yes. Uh, so I made a decision not to go down the I'll say traditional route yes. that most singers take mm-hmm. when they leave a university in New Zealand. I'm mm-hmm. sure in Australia as well. Yep. There is this preconceived idea that you have to then go to another place of study mm-hmm. most likely the, the trend has been over the last few years to go, go to england exactly <laughs> yes. go to the uk specifically to london yes. uh there's a few more people who are going to america now yeah um, it depends on the scholarships i suppose yeah, it's totally. more expensive there right well, it's expensive in London. Oh, yeah, don't even <laughs> don't even get me started in yeah, London. Yeah, we don't care about that. That's yeah, crazy. The it, fees are just something else. It's yeah. it's just unreal. I know, yeah. and that's that was basically one of the big deciding factors why I didn't go mm. there. Yeah. Uh, because I I found a teacher that I wanted to work with, and it made so much more sense to me to use my time and my money mm. more efficiently, basically, to have more lessons with him with this yes. teacher really really get um like kind of condense it mm-hmm. uh, concentrate <laughs> the the learning yes uh, and so it made so much more sense to me to do that while auditioning for jobs rather than go to another place of study where you're stuck for you know another two maybe three mm-hmm. years yeah d- depending on what you choose to do mm-hmm. in Paying international fees as yes. a student, which yes. is absolutely unreal, and then also living in a city such as London, where I know my I have a lot of friends who who chose to do that, go down that path, and they had to raise, Oof. you know, ninety thousand yeah. dollars a year yeah. just yeah. for just for living expenses. I know. It just didn't make sense to me. It didn't make sense. I had some lessons with people in London a while before the pandemic. And just went over and had a look and I visited family and I was there and it's like, well, why not? And they're like, well, bye bye. If you're going to study here ever, mm-hmm. like you won't be able to afford the tube. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, what? <laughs> what yeah. are you talking about? Like, this is London. I have to use the tube. Yeah. It's an expensive city. It really is. Great place to visit. I mean, oh, if you, great, I mean, great city to live if, if you do have money, but mm. yeah, oh, yeah, I just, I saw so many of my, my friends go there mm study get pretty much the same as what they got in New Zealand 
mm. uh, in terms of the, the courses. Yes. And Again, for the second time sometimes. Yeah. If you'd already done a master's yep. in Australia and New Zealand. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, just repeat, repeat it. And then they came out the other end and they were a very Not, small yeah. fish in a very, very large pond. Yes. So yeah. there was no real work opportunity. They mm. were, they, they'd just... Blew. Also, like you don't learn a new language while you're doing it. Yeah, that's a huge... Like that's a big thing. That, that's a huge thing big as well. shock for us in Germany. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Switzerland and all these places. Yeah, I think a lot of people are uh, reluctant to yeah. learn another language, to, to, to base themselves in Germany yeah. first, because it's such a hurdle. You know? It is scary. Like, I will say, I was completely scared. Yeah. When I got on that plane with that one-way ticket, I thought, oh my God, this better work. What am I doing? Yeah. <laughs> what am I doing? Yeah. It's like, no going back now. You've got to try, Jeremy. Yeah. And that's it. And But it's scary. German is scary. I understand that. Yeah. Very well. But yeah, I, I totally agree. But in saying that, my, one thing I might add too is that there are people as well who go to Germany from all around the world, mm. do courses in the Hochschule, and they end up doing two masters as well sometimes or, or doing a or doing um, Konzertgesang, they call it, like just a uh -huh. normal master's of voice rather than doing an opera school they, or an opera studio because they can't get in or mm -hmm. there's too much demand. I mean, it's very competitive. I'm not saying they're not good enough, blah, 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 blah. Mm. Just saying it's very hard. Just like there's people who go to London in that huge pool of people who are trying to get into the opera school yeah, RAM or something like that, mm. who then just have to do the masters of voice. Mm. Like it's competitive. Very. So, yeah. So I think I think while you're at it, you might as well go to Germany or even Italy or something. I don't know about Italy and France, but if you go to Germany, you can at least learn a language while you're doing it. Mm -hmm. Get really good at it. Um, be able to do spoken roles, which is something mm, that's a huge I'm not capable yeah, yeah. of yet. Yeah. Hopefully it will be one day, but you know, it does restrict you. And as we were talking about a little earlier, being in a German system, in a German house, you have to be so flexible. You have to be able to mm -hmm. do a lot of things. And if you're wanting to sing as a soloist, you you might have to do musicals. Yes. You might have <laughs> to do operetta, which has dialogue in it. Yes. So you have to be able to do these things. Is it? Like in my season, I've got um, Lustke Witwe. I've got mm -hmm. a small role. Well, none. there's no small roles, they tell me, and yeah, I agree yeah, with it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but in terms of how many pages it is, there's less. <laughs> but I have dialogues. Mm -hmm. I have sung German. I'm doing Les Mis with you right now, mm -hmm. which is all German. Which, hey, I don't know if... Yeah, I'm sure people know the music, but oh, when you translate it into German, that is some <laughs> fast text. Yep. That is... Blah, 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 blah. That's, yep. That was a challenge. Yeah, that at the end of the day in German was like yeah. that took ages for me to get it in my we mouth. We do it was to get the, it was get very your, difficult. Get your tongue around it. Yeah, yeah. Yes, you yeah. guys must have drilled that in the chorus. Wow. Yeah. Actually, oh, I mean, you would have had some more experienced people and uh, people who've sung German for years, but that's still hard. Yeah, and most of my colleagues in the chorus are not native German speakers. Yes. They, there's only a handful, like maybe four actually come from Germany. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. international, isn't it? Such an international house, yeah. So, yeah, music theater, operetta, opera. I'm doing opera as well. I'm doing Fiorello and Barbara of Seville. Oh, cool. And also, I have to play the guitar. Really? Can I tell you about that? Ah, epic. So instead of, in this production, the guy who did it before me was a trained classical guitarist who did Fiorello. And so they're like, well, we can play it. Can you actually <laughs> play guitar? <laughs> 
I was in a rock band. Um, I was never the lead guitarist. Okay. And I also played with a plectrum, obviously, steel strings and all that. But now they're like, oh, can you do this? And I'm like, well, I guess I can try. So <laughs> I borrowed a theatre guitar for a few weeks, played nylon strings, rang my, so I texted my two guitar friends who played classical guitar and asked them how to finger certain things, mm-hmm. reading notation. Ooh. And I'm just like, oh. And then I played for the conductor the other day. He's like, great, good. I was wow. like, Wow. Bravo. Yeah. But but that's the diversity thing. It's like you have to do stuff. And they also said to me, if you can't manage it, you can say no. It's all good. Mm. But you've got to make yourself useful. Yeah, totally. I thought, of course, I want to do what the production's meant to do. Challenge accepted. That's it. Mm. And then throw in contemporary opera for you this season as well. Mm. That's Mm -hmm. all. Because you guys do operetta as well this season. Do you have an operetta? Let me think. Let me think. Or a gala? No, as far as I as far as I know, we don't have a gala. Um, operetta. No, this year I don't think we have an operetta. But you did Victor, before. I did, yeah. That was bef- that. Before I joined the theatre here, I yes. did that in over summer uh, this year, twenty twenty three, in Berlin. Cool. Uh, yeah, just a little town just outside Berlin. It was such a good experience. Mm. Yeah, so I, I sang the role of Valenciennes, mm-hmm. um, which is not the the main main role, not the Vitva, but, but it's the, a good one. it is. Yeah, it's still it's still a, a decent chunky role. Yes. Uh, yeah, it was such a good experience, and that was my first role in Germany, mm. uh, and yeah, my first my first real kind of uh, performance experience as mm. a soloist here. Mm. So. Again, that took a lot of work, especially mm. the dialogues, oh. just to, to get yeah. them as accent-free as possible, which is it's a real challenge. It's a real challenge. And sometimes they want an accent here. Like, mm. but, I can't so, do Bavarian, like, <laughs> Aussprache. it's too hard for me yet. Yeah. Like, it will come, but it'll, it'll come, hopefully, but maybe never. I mean, the reality is we're not native speakers. It's, mm. a, it's an extra hurdle to jump. It is. So as well as learning the language you and to work every day and talk to people and do things mm, mm-hmm. and do all the paperwork. Oh my God, the paperwork. Oh. Google Translate has made its way <laughs> into my... The most used app. <laughs> yeah, most used app. Yeah. I'd love to see the screen time data on that one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like just complex documents and reading your contracts. is like, God. That is, that is definitely something to be aware of if you're wanting to move to Germany, just just be aware that they, they still love paper. They love paper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't that the truth? Yeah. yeah. Yes. The form for everything. Oh. oh <laughs> I mean, even... I think I, the other day I I bought Steuerkarten, like discounted tickets from your theatre. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had to fill out a form for it. Yeah. Kind of just... Yeah. You know me. Just like, check just, me in the computer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had to sign it. I had to uh, write how many tickets I had to sign and date it. Yeah. I, st- I have to do that too <laughs> as an employee. You live here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I know. It's <laughs> unbelievable. Oh, don't get me started by the Ausländerbehörde. Yeah. They, oh, oh. Yeah. you know, when I first arrived, yes. I was assigned uh, to a certain worker within the, the foreigner's office. All oh, right. And she still used a fax machine. That's to lose. <laughs> oh yeah. No. Anyway, really. we're not we're not banging Germany, but they no. just they love they love their paper. Yes. Yes. But in saying that, and we we say that we've said this on the there's a episode with Daniel Nixon who did the whole Germany thing 
amazing episode, very informative into the deep nitty gritty things about German Hochschulen and theatres and things um, and visa things as well. So we've done a lot of that. But um, basically just changing your attitude towards German and the language and just being like, okay, like your life is going to be in German most of the time. Mm. Like you may ring your family and speak English and like obviously we've encountered each other here, which is nice. Um, but it, I don't speak English to German friends and colleagues mm-hmm. like when they're German or they, or they're as, as well as like people who come from non-English speaking countries to Germany, they speak German. They barely speak English sometimes. Mm-hmm. That that's fine. Why should they learn English? So you just have to have it because it is international, but sometimes there's the only possibility is German. Completely. You've, you've got to survive, yeah. Completely. What's your experience here with the, uh, the Swiss German? Schweizerdeutsch. Oh, it is. Uh, I will say it is a beautiful language to listen to. Yes. <laughs> uh, very beautiful intonation. Uh, but yeah, it's a challenge. It's a challenge. It's not, it's not German. <laughs> it really is a different language. Uh, Good thing everything is written normally here. Yes, that's but, true. Yeah. So when you sit on the on the bus, all of the headlines of the news are all fine. Mm. But yeah, speaking to people, it's like a whole other thing. Although in in schooling here, they do learn Hochdeutsch as well. Course, so they yeah. all speak kind of standard German. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so I, I always have to just apologize. I'm so sorry. I only speak yeah. high, high German. So... Mm. And then they switch straight away. Yeah. And they know how to switch. They're completely fine. Yeah, they do. But, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So it hasn't really been a, a barrier here. It hasn't been too much That's of a challenge. Cool. And especially at the theatre. There's a lot of, of Germans our... in your theatre. Like, yeah, there are. Yeah. There are. A lot of Americans as well at the moment in, in the solos. Americans everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> They're amazing. Yeah. But all of our rehearsals are in Hochdeutsch. Mm-hmm. They're in German German. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm, I'm surrounded by that. Oh, all day, good. every day. Yeah. But, it, but yeah, as you say, it is a mental shift just to to be surrounded by that mm. all day. Especially at the beginning, it can oh, be quite tiring. very tiring. Just, just, <laughs> yeah, you don't, this is something that you won't understand unless you experience it. But just having to concentrate that intensely for that long. To yeah, buy a bread roll. Yes, you know? yeah, to buy your groceries, yeah. to, to, <laughs> yeah, yeah, to do simple things is really exhausting. But yeah. the good thing is if you are surrounded by it every day, if mm. you immerse yourself and you mm. really, you really put an effort into immersing yourself, yes. then it pays off pretty quickly mm. and your, your level will increase. You'll be able to, you'll be able to tell very mm. quickly. You'll become more comfortable You'll feel feel more um, more able to express yourself because that's that's something that can be very isolating when you yes. when you you know there's a real barrier to mm-hmm. expressing yourself it can be very isolating uh, yeah so if you if you actually make an effort to fully immerse yourself then I really think it pays off very mm. very quickly yes mm. um. And how did that work for you? Did you go to Goethe Institute? I did, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so I studied uh, good old Goethe. (laughs) It's good. Yeah, it's a great system. And they're so nice. They are. They they really want you to really integrate well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, what was your experience like? 
So I studied with the Goethe Institute when I was in New Zealand, ah. did some courses there. And then when I got to Germany back in 2020, I did an intensive course, which was for one month every mm. day. Mm-hmm. I think it was four or five hours every day, mm. uh, which was perfect. That was, yes. yeah. I, I, I think that that's probably one of the best ways to do it, to go mm. and you're just, you know, dive straight in. Go drink <laughs> with people afterwards. And yeah. Speak German. Because then, yeah, you, you have the social aspect and mm. you feel like you're, you're, you know, part of a group and you feel like you're all progressing together and you're experiencing a city as well. Mm. So, for example, I, I did my course in Berlin. Oh, that would have been cool. It was really cool. So I got to, mm. to really explore Berlin as well at the mm. same time. But yeah, that, that was a good experience to just mm. to go to dive straight into that and um, to really focus on that at the beginning mm. to kind of acclimatize in a way. Yep. Yeah, mm. I would highly recommend. Although I do, I do think that I in hindsight, should have done more German study before I left New Zealand. Yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> I, yeah, I think that's maybe a, a common theme for most people. Yeah, I think it, I think I would have maybe made the transition a little smoother or a little more comfortable mm. if I had arrived already with a higher mm-hmm. level of German. But, you know, hindsight. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you speak Italian? I, le- I did learn a little bit of Italian because mm. I lived in Italy for six months. Right, yes, um, yes. Yeah, it's... Oh, that'd be that'd be interesting to try and p- drag it from the back of my brain now to the front. Oh, yeah. I, you, you, I did it recently and you keep putting verbs at the end. Oh, uh, yeah. And then back to Germany? You, yeah. like, what, what are you doing? I, was, I went through a, a, a period of a few months where I was traveling quite often between Italy and Germany. Yeah. And the amount of times I arrived in Germany and I kept saying si or no, or I, I arrived in Italy and I kept saying ja or nein, it's, oh, it was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> I got a good anecdote there. I, I um, went to Scholte Academia and I was about to have a masterclass with Leo Nucci, who's like my idol, a god and an inspiration. <laughs> and I saw him and I stood up shaking with the music in my hand to give to, of course he didn't need it, well, it was to give to the pianist too, but... I was shaking and he asked me something in Italian. I can't remember what he asked me because I was so, and I was like, nine. <laughs> and he turned to me and he said, nine? Satan? Finally to that school. Of course it works, blah, blah, blah. You know, and he's like, everyone's just having, having a giggle, you know, because mm. they knew how, how shocked and shake, shaken I was. But then switching to Italian was funny. But, in, you know, you find yourself doing that because in Australia and New Zealand, we just speak English. Yeah. And there's no second language and there's no idea of what it's like to switch between your mother tongue and another language, let alone two other languages mm. you mm. never grew up with mm-hmm. or never really encountered. Polyglots. Um, I have so much respect. Oh, so polyglots much so cool. respect. Yes. Yeah. Um, do you ever read Fluent Forever? No. Okay. okay. So it's on our resource list on our website, um, Belters. Um, and it's... Uh, it's actually written by an opera singer. I'll have to send a link to you or something. Mm. But it's basically, it's written by an American opera singer who, there's, there's this course in the States where they take a bunch of American singers to like way up in the, the mountains or something. And I don't know anything about American geography, but somewhere in the mountains. And they, they sign a contract that they're only going to speak German for the month and they oh. stage something in German. Oh. Like they do a flute or something. Still runs to this day, is my understanding. 
And this guy did that, immersed himself in German. And by the end of that month, it was like, right, I'm going to Germany because he did the immersion. And then he developed a system of flashcards uh, using Anki, which is like what a lot of medical ah, students Anki use. Anki app. Yeah, yeah. It's, I use, I use that too. I use right. that for my German practice. There yeah. you go. So he basically says, use that. And then, but he talks about learning all languages and he became a pol- polyglot. So he speaks Mandarin and Russian as well as all these European languages. Mm-hmm. So he was suddenly very employable and his thing actually became developing this language system and putting it into a book, which became a New York bestseller. And now he has other products and things you can buy. But I find the original edition of Fluent Forever, if you can get your hands on it, because I don't know if it's printed anymore because he's developed it. If you get your hands on the original copy, even if it's a used one, that's insane. So just one one for the listeners there. But it's on our resource list. But he talks about a whole attitude change to German or any language. And... I think like Daniel Nicholson spoke about that too, that, you know, you got to stop thinking about yourself as necessarily like a, an expat. Like you go to work in German every, in German every day. Like you're not, mm. you're not an expat. A lot of ex, most typical expats are business guys who go to their English speaking office in Shanghai. Someone mm. like my uncle, it's a, it's a different experience because, and he did try to learn Chinese, but I mean, I couldn't imagine learning Chinese. I mean, It'd be a challenge, yeah. He said it was incredibly hard. Mm. but And I, I wouldn't say German was as hard as learning Chinese. Like, I wouldn't know where to start with Chinese. But isn't that interesting? Mm. We are, we actually do go to work in another language. Mm. Um, it's, it's, yeah, you have to normalise it. You, have do, to, yeah. you just have to normalise it. Exactly. Mm. Yeah, it's just a mental shift. Yeah, and like I said, it, the first few days, few weeks, mm. maybe months, will still be maybe a little overwhelming yes. <laughs> just to, to hear it, be surrounded by it all the time, but it does shift. It does mm. shift. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Incredible. And so what did you find? I, I remember I did my go to Institute in the summer. I did it for about a month like you did mm-hmm. intense course or whatever. And I was completely exhausted the whole time, but it was amazing. And I found when I got to the theater, the, the idiosyncratic sort of like things that people say in their day-to-day thing is totally different to how they speak to you at the Goethe Institute uh-huh. and they speak like really Hochdeutsch. Now, I was in Bavaria, but surrounded by mostly, really, there's a lot of, not mostly, but there's a lot of Austrians in our house. Okay. And so they'd make Austrian jokes. Mm-hmm. But you still date Bert or Davos and like <laughs> stuff like this. Or the Redewendung. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty funny, you know. Uh-huh. And, um... Uh-huh. How did you find, what, what, what things were noticeable in the theatre that were different to your time in Germany in the Hochdeutsch that you went to go to? Like, what are the little idiosyncratic things that you found that were different? It's hmm, an interesting question. Uh, well, being such an international house, mm. there, there's a lot of variety in the German spoken. <laughs> yeah. So, for example, our, our chorus director, um, he is Austrian. So okay. he, he does speak Hochdeutsch, but he speaks it with an accent, yes. an Austrian accent, obviously, uh, <laughs> which means that some of the words, it's more like a dialect rather than an accent. Uh, yeah, they have this word Aussprache, which is like, mm-hmm. I actually asked Alex, our colleague yesterday, when we were hanging out and speaking German, he's like, because he's, he's a German, and he was, he was basically like, there's dialect and there's Aussprache and there's, mm. it's like, Aussprache is like a combination of many things. Mm-hmm. Like 
dialect pronunciation and then like Aussprache can be both of those mm -hmm. or it can be one of those. So anyway, sorry, I just thought I'd mention that. Mm. It's, a, it's a weird thing. Mm -hmm. You're right. So he speaks with an Austrian accent. He does. Yeah. But then there are other members who are sort of actually from Germany. So you, you have to train your ear to mm. accommodate a lot of different accents and a lot of different uh, styles of German, I'll say. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah, which which can be a little challenging. I have I have one colleague in the core who is from Saxony. Oh right, deep, yes. Deep in Saxony, and the Saxon accent is very strong. Okay. So I it, I really struggled to understand him for quite a few weeks. <laughs> <laughs> getting better, getting better, but yeah, he's yeah, it's a very strong accent. Um, what else? Idiosyncrasies. I I think. Just as you said, a, there is a difference between the formal German that you learn yes. in a language course and the more casual way that people speak, especially younger people, like people of our age. Do uh, you do it same with everyone in the house? Yes. Yeah. We do of, too. First time you meet someone, no, especially if it's a, a chef, like it's some kind of yes. boss. And then they give you the permission to... Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so you always... Sorry, go on. Yeah, always, always use formal first and then get your permission. Mm. It's interesting though, if it's, a, if it's a, a colleague kind of on the same level as you, like a fellow singer or a fellow actor or something, then no matter the age, there's a tendency just to dutzen straight away mm. because we're all on the same level. Mm. Uh, but yeah, any kind of chef, you know, the... the, the or, Orchestral conductor, any kind of choir conductor, intendant, especially. Yeah. Yeah, it's always play it play it safe and yes. go formal to start with. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But in general, theatre people are pretty relaxed about that kind of thing. We <laughs> yes. don't really have a lot of um... Based on the amount of tracksuit trousers. <laughs> yeah, <my> yeah, yeah. <laughs> including me. This is the only time I've worn jeans this week. Oh wow. Dressed yeah. up. Nice. Ugh. Yeah, I love Germany. <laughs> I actually need a third pair of tracksuit pants now because I wear them so much. Oh, wow. That's terrible. Wow. I bought a second one when I came here and then, yeah, I need another one now. You have to splash out. Mm. <laughs> it's really bizarre though, isn't it? They have a formal way of the language and then everyone wears tracksuit pants. Yeah, it's kind of like a... You wouldn't have that in Australia, I don't think even. People wear at least jeans. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It's really interesting. Or, or more sort of and a what we would call shirt. active wear. Active wear, yes, that's a that's in a sort of different land, of, different category. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But you see a lot of active wear at rehearsals, which I think is good. People mm. should be comfortable. Yeah, totally. Tracksuit included. Yeah, you have to you have to have to be able to move. You have to be able to breathe. You have to be able to dance or do anything. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Somehow they let me dance on that stage. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I had to learn to waltz for this production. I've never done a waltz before. Uh -huh. I left Australia. Yeah. Had you done any of that? Oh, you have to. You learned the waltz for this, but then the stage. What was it? The stage was too small for so many pairs, right? Mm, they had to reduce it. They had yeah, to reduce yeah. It. But yeah. everyone in your core learned that before we came, right? No, I mean I'm not in that scene, so I didn't learn the dance. Oh, so they never put it, you in there in the first. I know you're not no, in it now, but no. I thought you were in it originally. Or something. No, no, there was. Uh, yeah, all of our chorus scenes had already been divided, so not everyone is in. Apart from the big finales, not everyone is in every scene. That's right, yeah. Mm, 
I noticed that at Gatner Clark School, we rehearsed there, but we have a bigger core there. Mm. Whereas, yeah, so that's interesting because we've done this co-production for the listeners, just in case you're not clear yet, but it's just, yeah, your core is like not as big as the one in Gatner Platz. Yeah, we have a very but small... we have a bigger stage, so... True, true. You have more, more people to fill the stage. Yes. Yeah, it is a very small core here. Mm. We are only, at the moment, we're only 19 people. Mm. Um, normally 20, mm-hmm. uh, which, which is an interesting sort of atmosphere because mm. everyone, if, if you're singing in such a small group, there's nowhere to hide. No, that's right. You really have to be comfortable in taking up your space yes. and still singing as kind of with a soloist mentality. Mm. Um, so there, I'm a first soprano, so mm-hmm. there are three of us. And there are two second sopranos. So mm. there's roughly five in each voice part. Five mm. sopranos, five altos, five tenors, five basses. Yeah. And so that was something that was made clear to me at my audition. I had a brief um, conversation with the intendant and with the chorus director. And they made it clear that they were really looking for someone who was willing, who was capable of taking up space essentially mm. and who, who was not going to try and hide as, yes. a, as a singer both yeah as a singer but also on stage in, mm. in acting wise and those scenes on in Les Mis are pretty exposed yeah like, yeah yeah particularly the factory scene mm, yeah it's under that one wall and it's all you can see right through the whole thing and I was like yeah no you mean yeah yeah right okay yeah and yeah. so they encouraged you to they said that they wanted you to take up space and to fill that Basically. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To not not just be a what people would think as a choir singer and sort of blend mm. and to to just sort of hide in the background a little bit. No. Yeah. I mean if you go to the Bavarian State Opera and you look at the core. Mm-hmm. Particularly in the some of they some of these new productions where they make crowds of people that aren't sort of nice to look at on purpose. You know, mm-hmm. they're sort of like the mob of people. Mm-hmm. And it's like I can't see their faces sometimes. Like they put short people behind tall people and make it all look mixed and things. It's like you can get away with a lot. Mm, yeah, that's true. But that's your theatre, you guys, you would have to work extremely hard. Make sure you're all and you're all on it all the time. It's very good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. But that, that's also what I really enjoy about working here, at least, is that you, yeah, there there is no room to hide, and mm. so you always you always approach singing these pieces as more of a soloist. Yes. Uh, yeah, and. Maybe that's maybe that's a, an interesting segue to sort of talk about the the mindset of being a choral singer. Let's do it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So mindset, mm. chorus singer. Yeah. I mean, you can tell me what it's like in Australia, but I don't know because I've never done a choral. But yeah, but even in terms of the general, uh, the collective mindset, the oh, collective to, view. Yes, as a student. As a, yeah, as yes, a student. Yeah, I've yeah. done core as a student, but, but I know what you mean, like to mm-hmm. having a career, and we've talked about this, Yeah. the attitude towards having a career in the core. Exactly. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> there is a very yeah. strong opinion, Yes. Uh, particularly amongst younger singers, mm-hmm. that either you become a soloist and you've made it, yeah. I'm doing air, air quotes yes. for people who can't see me, uh, <laughs> you've made it, or you become a chorus singer and that's kind of your plan B. Yeah. 
And I would really like to challenge that. Yes. <laughs> challenge that idea. Challenged. It should be challenged. Yes. Because singing in a chorus is very much a viable option. And in some cases, it's a much better option for people. Mm-hmm. It is very difficult to find a position as a fest soloist, Got as it. a fixed uh, fixed soloist mm. in Germany. Or to find enough work as a freelance soloist. Exactly. Yep. It is a very, very tough life as a freelancer. Mm-hmm. Of course, there are some people who really thrive off that kind of lifestyle. It just totally depends on your personality. Yeah. And that, that is something you have to know, I think, going into this profession, is what your, what your personality is and what you thrive on. So yes. if, if you are someone who you know you need a lot of stability, you need to always have financial security yes you have to you know you like to be in the same place you like to be yeah based in the same place you you like to be able to sort of build a bit of a life uh, and and have outside of the theater exactly and have a base Mm -hmm. if you know all of these things then i would yeah i would strongly encourage you maybe not to look at freelancing yes Uh, but if you're someone who is very good at self-management and you're very Uh, very driven to put yourself out there and you're not afraid of having gaps of time where you're unemployed where you don't know where your next paycheck's going to come you don't know what the future looks like go for it i mean i i've experienced both uh at the moment i'm enjoying being Mm. fixed Mm. and having a fixed engagement because of the security that it gives me Yes. Because of the, the the rules, the rules, the protections. That, that's that's the good thing about singing in a chorus as well. Is that the the union, the unionization. Yes. Yeah, that's very strong. Very very strong. Mm. So there are very. And very, we're in Switzerland, and I know it's strong in Germany too. So. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Slightly different rules, but of course, yes. But yeah, very very strong protections mm-hmm. um, against losing your job, mm. which is a great advantage. Uh, yeah. So it, I'm very much enjoying just having a bit more stability, <laughs> yes. a bit more ability to have a life outside the theater and just really kind of set some roots down. Mm. Yeah, yeah. In a way, it, it allows you to relax more as well. Because oh, God, it, yeah. Big time. Oh, yeah. If totally. You, if, you, if you have that baseline yeah. and, and you have that sort of constant that that uh continuance mm. is that a word continuity, continuity. There, yeah. there we go Continu- continuity yeah. uh yeah it just allows you to to relax into it a bit more which i personally enjoy i know that's that's a good mm, a good mindset a, a good thing for me yeah yeah and people have lives in the core i find people have more of a life in the core mm. than soloists Mm-hmm. Which again is maybe a personality thing we could say, yeah. Yeah. but yeah, I mean, pretty much all of my colleagues have families. They, yeah. they have kids. They they do other things in mm. their spare time. I just think it's yeah. so cool. I think it's so underrated, and I think you can still have all the adventure of going overseas and trying to get into a young artist program, whatever, or doing a master's here. You get all the adventure. You get a whole new language. You get protections. You can meet people. Mm. And if you like to socialize in English, you can still do it. Mm-hmm. If you don't want it, if you really don't like German, 
for a while I didn't like German, <laughs> good while, and that's what stopped me learning it so decently, and I still have a lot to learn. But if you don't like doing that, you can still go and find a bunch of expats to hang out with. Mm. And you can still, I don't know, bring your partner from your home country or do whatever. And you can still speak your own language at home. It's all still very accepting. It's just that the official language is German. And that's mm. the reality. Mm-hmm. So you can do whatever you want, I think. But I just, yeah, I, I, I mean, we've spoken about this. This concept of the core is like a failure. It's such a load of bullshit. Yeah. I really hate it. Yeah, yeah. And um, I think it's wrong. And I think it's wrong that in Australia, we just don't think of it as an option. And mm. that we, we're just like, you must win a singing competition, you must do it. Such a load of shit. Such a load of shit. These core colleagues, some of them, like in München here, got the biggest smiles on their face. And they have a laugh. And they get off. And they do things. And they have families. And it's fine. I find, particularly here at this house, the the work-to-life balance is extremely good. Yeah. We, we have... I was actually surprised when I started at mm. how much free time we have. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. Yeah. It is interesting. I mean, I've had more free time here than München, mm-hmm. but also then there's more activity for me in München because of the opera studio. But it's true. I mean, the, the rehearsals are less, mm. I think. Mm. What, what's your experience, though, it's doing all of the rep in the house? Uh, what do you mean? in Because like, like, the... you're obviously doing all of the rep, and I'm only here as doing this one reduction of Lamy's. Uh-huh, like, uh-huh. You find that the workload is less than what you expected. So what is the reason for that, do you think? Um, I mean... Is it more productive when you're there? Yeah, it's quite productive. Mm. I mean, if you were in a, a larger house in a mm. bigger city, for example, in, in Munich or yeah. Zurich or Bern or something, where they do a lot more performances yep. each season, they, yeah, the, the work-life mm. balance is not quite as uh, the ratio is mm. not quite as friendly in it say yes uh, they they work very very hard at these uh-huh. big houses uh, but I and mean, they do tours might I add uh-huh, like, as well yeah well I mean I know the Bavarian State Opera goes to Japan quite often oh okay like, and they take the whole chorus or they take a good amount of the chorus I think uh-huh. I've got I, I should confirm that but they go on tour the chorus go the orchestra goes it's unbelievable wow Sounds like a big operation. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of like when a symphony orchestra goes on tour, but you don't think in a whole opera house they'd go, a yeah. whole theatre would go on tour. Yeah. That's a bit nuts. Ship them all off. Yeah. Yeah. So that's cool. Yeah. It is cool. Yeah, yeah. 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 And I mean, of course, we have weeks where things get much more uh, intense, mm. uh, right before we open, for example. Yes. Um, yeah, that last, last week at Lamy's was a bit full on. Yeah. And you guys probably had it more full on because you guys had other rehearsals too, I think. Yeah, and that that's the other thing with being particularly being a chorus singer is that you are you have to be prepared to have multiple things in your head at the same time, to be mm-hmm. working on multiple productions, multiple languages at the same time, multiple styles and sort of um yeah, genres, but also time periods of music. Mm-hmm. You, yeah, you're working on a lot of different things at the same time. So I really enjoy that. I love mm. I love that diversity and I love that challenge. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. Makes it exciting. Mm. Mm. Excellent. Right, so when did you... Okay, let's actually talk about um, the audition process as a chorus member because I haven't done actually... I haven't asked a lot of chorus people this question. 
when you turned up for chorus auditions before and for this job, for other jobs or for this job, I don't know what your process was, but um, what is expected of a chorus person, a chorus candidate when they're going for an audition? Okay, so the first step when you see the position being advertised, you mm. send your CV. Does a soloist CV look the same as a chorus CV? No, ideally not. There you go. Okay, I'm learning yeah, something. Yeah, my That's brand new. <laughs> ideally not. I didn't know there was a difference. There you go. There, yeah, I mean, again, I think it depends on the size of the house you're applying to and the, the level. I mean, Germany has different grades of houses like there's a b and yep. b houses uh but i personally think that you should tailor your cv to the position you're applying for cool. i don't think it should be just a one and done mm -hmm. situation yep so my solo cv looks different to my core cv my core cv it does list the roles that i've done but the bulk of the cv lists my chorus experience uh which I think makes their job easier as the selectors. They can mm. see it. It's much. It's just much clearer for them. Um, NZ Opera would have looked good. Yeah, yeah. I, I was mm. very fortunate. I'd had a lot of productions that I did with them. So I mm. think that looked quite attractive to yes. employers here. Uh, yeah. So when you, you send off your CV, I also recommend to everyone that you send a recording or two as well. Even Good. if they don't ask for it. Great. Uh, Are you singing arias? Yes. Arias, yes. Yeah. Always a good idea. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes they will ask you to send a recording of a German aria with your CV. Uh, great. If, if not, then a German one is a good bet or yep. Italian. Um, yeah. And then also your CV should include a headshot. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And then from, from that... They look at all of the applications and they select a certain number of people to invite to live auditions. Mm -hmm. Depending on the size of the house, when you get to the live auditions, there could be between five or <laughs> 20 people in your, on your day. Uh, yeah, and then you, you go in. The first round is always to sing your chosen aria or your chosen two pieces. Is that like a soloist audition where you sing one and they choose the second? You choose the first, they choose the second? Usually not. Usually, okay. again, depending on the house, sometimes mm -hmm. they will set a compulsory aria that every single singer has to sing. Ah, is that so, based on maybe what type of soprano they look, for example they're looking for? Potentially. I wow. know in, in Germany, a lot of places choose Pamina's aria from uh, <laughs> Magic Flute, yep. that's that's a real standard one. So if you're a soprano and you're wanting to audition in Germany, make sure you learn that Achichfuls. A lot of places will ask for that. Very standard. And then if it's a place that doesn't ask for that specifically, you will bring two arias. Of course, it's good to have more, but no. you'll always, yeah. always present two arias. Uh, most of the time they will want one in German and yes. then one in another language. Mm -hmm. Usually I brought an Italian piece because that, that was what fit me best. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so you, you go in, you sing your first aria. Usually you can choose which one you start with. Mm -hmm. uh, and then sometimes they will 
stop you partway through the aria if they've heard enough of that one and they'll ask you to sing some of the next piece mm -hmm. um, is getting stopped a good or a bad thing or not to be worried about um i don't i don't Were necessarily you successful and stopped Ever? Yes. Yeah, yes, <laughs> I was. I don't think it's. Yeah. I, I don't think it's an indication necessarily. Yeah. Sometimes you can tell. <laughs> so sometimes you you can definitely tell. Um, yeah, but but I don't think it's an indication. Mm. Okay. Uh, yeah. So so when you sing your two arias, uh, usually you'll then leave the room and you'll wait because everyone goes and bang 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 one after the other. Uh, and then the whoever's running the audition will come out and tell you, okay, for the next round, we want to hear these people. Usually then these selected few will go back in and they will sing either a second aria if they didn't do it in the first round, or they will sing the compulsory choir excerpts, which you would have been sent with your audition to, with your uh, yeah. invitation to audition. Are they standardized generally? Mm, there are a few which are standardized. Okay. So. Do you want to list a few of those? Yeah. So the the um, the finale from uh, the Tabelflöter uh -huh. is a very very standard one. Really? For for yeah 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 the Haus I euch geweiht. Very very standard. Did sorry maybe a dumb question. Did they have a conductor for you to follow, or do you have to know the tempo? Is it like an orchestral audition you have to give the tempo to? Usually there's no conductor okay. in a chorus audition. I've oh, I've never done one with a, with a conductor. Okay. And it was interesting. My audition here, they actually asked for the chorus excerpts to be sung um, without piano. So completely unaccompanied. Did you get a starting note? You got, yeah, you got a starting note. Okay. But they, but <laughs> got then, a bit of extreme. They, so go, you're on your own. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but completely unaccompanied. And so That's I had no, absolutely no guidance in terms of tempo or the key once I got going. So that's a real test. Um, yeah, but, but normally you just follow the pianist if, it's a, if you're doing the, the chorus excerpts. So if you do high zoe, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Do they play the bar before? Dum, ba -dum, yes. Ba -dum. So that's how you get the tempo. Yes. These, sorry, these may be dumb questions, but no, I am sure <laughs> people are wondering. Of course. Because I don't know Yeah, yeah. either. Like, of I course. just have no idea. And um, so you get the tempo and then you follow that. And then is that because it's just standard repertoire, flute, that they ask for that one? Or yes. is it about tuning or... Well... Which ones are about tuning? Do you ever do Otello or something like that? Yeah, I've done a couple of excerpts from Otello. Okay. Um, Which... The, the opening scene? Done Vittoria. Ah, oh, Vittoria. Vittoria. Yeah, done Is that it? one. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. What yeah. else? I've just learnt the opening scene from Otello. Oh, it's great. It's such great music. You're, you know what? Can I just say, you're so lucky you get to do Otello in the core. It's the best, the greatest opera. The gr uh, sorry, it's just me being very passionate. <laughs> late, late Verdi period passionate. But uh, come on, like, that's amazing. It is. I mean, it's better than singing, I don't know, if you're a soloist singing. I mean, I've sung La Serva, La Serva, La Torona. Yeah, I've done that too. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. And I love it. Yeah. But I would, I know it sounds terrible, 
I would much rather sing in, in the chorus of Otello uh-huh. than sing Uberto. I mean, yes, I'm not a bass, and I did it anyway. But mm-hmm. it's such a great opera. It is. Great. It's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you, you definitely get to do a lot of stuff as a chorus singer. But, so lucky. But, yeah, singing, singing those really, I'll say, big-scale operas. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's something, there's something really just epic about doing that. And you're doing you're doing Erinari this mm-hmm. season. We'll talk about that later. Let's go, keep going with the audition the audition episode. Sorry, mm-hmm. I got excited. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> don't mention Verdi. <laughs> what happened? Um, right. So, um, so you sing excerpts. Yeah, you sing your chorus excerpts. Um, Do you want to list a few more? Otello, Tabulfluto finale. Yep, Tabulfluto finale. Um, Fidelio finale as well. Really? Yeah, that's that's quite a common one as well. I didn't really get given a lot in English. Let me think. If I think of any more, I'll sure, I'll send them, them to in. you, and we can we can drop them in somewhere. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, depend- okay. So you've done that first round of arias. Some have been culled and sent home on their merry way, mm-hmm. and then you go into the second thing, and some of some people are singing their second aria, and some are singing excerpts, and then what happens? Then. Uh, usually they will do another cull. Um, really? Yeah. On the day, and then you sing again? Yeah, depending on the size of the house, of course. Cool. Um, yeah, usually they'll do another cull. And by that stage, they would have gone down to uh, just, just you know, a handful of people, their favourites. Uh Depending on the house, sometimes they'll do a little interview with mm-hmm. their maybe three favorite people or or one favorite person, you know, uh, if it's that clear to them. Um, yeah, or or at the end of the day, you could also just be left waiting. You know, you're told, okay, we'll be in touch, and then you wait. <laughs> you wait. You await the email. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Is it an email or a phone call? For me, it was an email when you didn't get it and a phone call when you did. Yeah, I think that's pretty common. Yeah, that's okay. pretty common. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's certainly, it's definitely an experience. You have to learn how to manage yourself being surrounded by so many other singers who are also kind of trying to get in their zone and try and stay in their zone. And Is there doing... a lot of like Einzingen, like warming up? Yeah, some people do. Yeah, okay. Some people do. Yeah. Is it a chilled vibe at a chorus audition over a solo audition, or is everyone equally stressed about everything? Um, that's a good question. I haven't done a lot of auditions for solo mm-hmm. uh, positions. Mm-hmm. I think it's quite equal. I think okay. it's quite equal. I've had some audition experiences where you, you actually talk to people. You re, you know you, you get along with people, but. Most of the auditions, in my experience, you don't really interact with the other people. It's all very, very separate. You just kind of respect everyone's space and their what what they need to do to yes. stay in their zone. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's not a lot of interaction. Mm. Yeah, but you definitely have to learn how to manage yourself in that environment where you're surrounded by other singers who are you know we're a special breed so so we some people have very strong routines and sort of yes. habits that they always have to do before mm-hmm. they sing uh 
and it's also it's also an interesting environment to be in you have to you have to stay on you have to stay in the zone for an extended period of time mm. because when you you're waiting when you're in that waiting period you can't really relax you have to stay focused and ready mm-hmm. then you go in and you sing and then you come out and you're still waiting and you don't know yet if you're going to be asked to go back in or not and mm-hmm. so you have to mentally try and prepare for the next thing you might sing so you can never really just switch off mm. so that's another area that you have to learn to manage yourself in yeah yeah which can be a challenge mm. definitely particularly when you're waiting for unknown lengths of time yes i was told by some of the colleagues that um one time or well, one one of the colleagues that they had a, a, a an audition where it's for a musical theater piece but it was in germany but um they had to get in there at like eight or nine o'clock in the morning mm-hmm like register was a big call and then some the, the people who were successful were done at like nine in the evening okay that's a very long day yeah wow because it's, it's sometimes it's dependent on if the intendant is available or the casting people are available or not and they might have things they might work in the theaters mm. actually as well or they or they you know so it's pretty crazy mm. but um, I don't think it's that bad for I never had that experience a bad experience like that in terms of how long it took in the young artist auditions mm-hmm. so how, how does my experience with chorus auditions how does that differ mm. from your experience with young artist program auditions I think the recording thing is becoming pretty important okay I thought the recording thing would be less important in the core but obviously there is still some of that then because if they're asking for it, well, that's kind of like the screening process. Yes. Which, honestly, I think is quite good in some ways, but also bad. Because, firstly, like, if you can just cull a bunch of people who you don't think are going to get remotely close to the job, I think it saves a lot of travel mm. and hassle mm. and false hope. Mm-hmm. In saying that, then it takes away that opportunity. So, I found, like... When I sent recordings, I think I was lucky. I had good recordings from the Australian Sing Competition. That's a very thing, very important yes. thing to note. Yes. To get very good quality recordings. Yes. Even if like with piano, with orchestra, whatever. Yeah. They need to be good quality. That is very important. Yeah. And I don't find that like in other applications for maybe non-opera things or like things when I was still in high school, maybe. When I would like a, a audition for regional shows, they'd be like, all the conservatoires, educational things. It's like, your video must be one camera frame and no edits and no yeah. this blah. I think that applies to instrumental music a lot too. But for yaps, they're very vague and open. Huh. I've found anyway. And I w- it was just like, send. it was mainly what repertoire they're asking for. Send this. They didn't care if it was with orchestra or piano or whatever. But I always sent ones in with orchestra if I had them. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, with piano. Mm-hmm. I sent some excerpts from conservatoire productions that I got permission to use. Like, just for that. And I found that was really good. And I found that got me auditions. But also, some of them I just didn't get auditions for. I got auditions in really good houses. And then in, like, big... Like, like the Bavarian State Opera, and that's why I started doing the auditions with. 
And then there were smaller houses or more regional houses. I think they're equally as good, all of them. But they're just like, no. I'm like, what? And that's... Or they take six months to get back to you. Yeah. <laughs> One of the Berlin houses... I applied in like November or September of the previous year and I got an email in May inviting to me an audition. Mm-hmm. Like, dude, like, Brit got position. Mm. That's nuts. I mean, they do, they do receive hundreds of applications yeah, for these things. Yeah, but like, come on. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, late. it doesn't mean you... Anyway, I just thought it was crazy. Mm. But they also lose out on the talent. Like, they, they miss people who already get things and that's the risk they run. So, it's up to them. Yeah. But I did find that was interesting. Um, videos, yeah, very important to get yourself even in the door. And I know people who have sent videos and sent videos and they get invited. That's harsh. So, that's one thing I would say about doing the Australian competitions. I think the Kiwi competitions are the same. I think you get videos from them. Surely. Yeah, usually. Or someone can film it. Yeah. Or you can ask or mm. whatever. But I'm sure there's there's ways you can do it. I think it presents differently, particularly if you've done well in the competition. And then I found that the ARIA packages were pretty similar, just like the chorus excerpts were probably similar. Mm-hmm. And as in, like, okay, the requests from the chorus people would have been pretty specific, blah, blah, blah. And they weren't necessarily specific for a yap, but they were like, you need a French, you need a German, you mm. need a blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And generally, if you have the same five areas, you can recycle them. But one thing I think held me back a little bit was I didn't really have Heiterkeit und Fröhlichkeit ready. Ah, okay. <laughs> and I should have done that. Okay. It's kind of like I didn't learn German enough and I didn't have Heiterkeit und Fröhlichkeit ready. Those weird things. I, could, yeah. I can sing that, you know, it would, it would have been okay, but I didn't. I was like, really? That's the German aria for baritones, and uh, it is. Mm-hmm. And there would be a couple. There was a couple of times where a baritone would have an aria like I was doing, like the Faust or whatever, and then they the second aria, which was the German aria, was Heiterkeit, and I would bring Papageno. Mm. That's a big mistake. So mm. I wish I didn't do that. But yeah, yeah I think because the pros... why? Because it's overdone. No, it just goes from D to D. Yeah. <laughs> It's just, just doesn't, doesn't do much. Doesn't show know. enough. No, no. Mm. I mean, acting wise, yes, definitely, like suicide aria. But if you did the full finger benicia, like that's not going to do anything. Yeah. If you did ein Mädchen or the Weibchen, like that's not going to do anything. So that's your only option of the Papageno. But at least I'd done the role in, in the conservatoire in Sydney. So that was good. Um, I will just add really please. quickly um, yes, before I, I forgot to mention this. But often in a chorus audition, they will also ask for sight reading. Ah, yes. Tell dun, us about that. Dun, dun, dun. Dun. Yeah, some people Okay, will please not, go into that. Some That's people, important. Some people will refuse to apply for chorus auditions because they hate sight reading that much. Yeah, um, I get that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just something you have to be prepared for. It's what some, were your sight reading excerpts like? Were they ever atonal or? No, no. Luckily okay. not. Luckily not. Good. Um, they were... What did I have to do? So, for example, the audition I did for here in St. Gallen in Switzerland, uh, I had to I had to sight read a bit of the Brahms Requiem. Oh, nice! Which I had never sung before. Uh huh. Um, but I'm sure I'm sure there would have been people who who had sung it before, uh, who were auditioning on that day. But yeah, normally it's just some some kind of choral piece. Mm. Um, 
doesn't not necessarily from opera because most people would know the operatic repertoire uh yeah but you you should definitely keep that in mind and be yes. be aware of it that you will probably be asked for sight reading and, and if, in any language right yeah i mean if it's a german speaking house it's a good bet that it would be in german but they're probably checking diction mm-hmm yep they i mean they they're Checking for everything, really. Yeah, course, checking, yeah. checking your language not skills. Not just the notes. Not just the notes, the intonation. Uh, they're checking how, uh, of course, your your rhythm, mm. your diction, like you said, your language skills, um, intonation. We mentioned sometimes. What I really enjoyed about my audition here uh, is that the chorus director treated it kind of like a working rehearsal in a way. So yes. so. I was sight reading, but he was also uh, asking me to do certain things and, you know, can you try this? Can you change this? Can you do this this way? Which I really enjoyed. So so that also gave me an opportunity to show how I could work. And that that's something that I sometimes find challenging in auditions is that... The working part of the rehearsal. Yeah, but which will be in German, German if you're in Germany. Yeah, I don't, I don't so much Sometimes. mean, I don't mean that, um, I don't mean that the working part of the audition is difficult. I actually really, I love that part right. okay. because it allows you to show more of who you are and what you mm. can bring as a colleague if yeah. you were to be employed. If you if you just walk into a, an audition, you sing your arias, you might have the best voice out of everyone there. And you might be the most polished on the day, but that doesn't mean that you'll be a good colleague. And that's something I think is really important as a choral singer in particular. You're going to be working with the same group of people every day. So, you know, you're in, you're in close proximity with them. So I think it's really important to get someone mm. who will fit into that group and who will fit into the the collective kind of atmosphere of that choir. Yes. And so it, I, that's, that's something I, uh, I don't particularly enjoy, I don't particularly like about auditions, is that sometimes there's not enough opportunity to show that, show your capabilities uh, uh, with how you can work mm. and how you can be as a colleague. Yes. So if it's, if it's just an audition where you walk in and you sing... And they're judging you just based on that. Sometimes you might miss someone who would be a really yes. good fit. But I think I was lucky with my audition for here because I got the opportunity to actually work with the chorus director. Mm. I I had a I had the chance to show him that I was quick at picking things up and adjusting, making changes, yep. doing what he wanted. Um, and just willingness to take on feedback and take on you know small criticisms that kind of stuff. Mm. I think that's also really important. So I yeah I was lucky that I got a chance to show that. Mm. Yeah, that's that's just something to to keep in mind about auditions. I I personally think it's a challenge, and it's maybe not the best. Mm, Maybe not the best way of selecting people, but then I don't have any other solution for, for yeah. how you can choose singers for something at the moment. You know, I think working rehearsals are good. Like yeah, working auditions or whatever. Like yeah, that's what happened at Gärtnerplatz, and um, 
I think that helped them get over the line. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's why they chose to do a second round like that. Mm. So, because first round was on the stage, and then second round was in the beautiful Orchestra Paul Bazaar that we have. And it was um, just with piano and, and the panel, and um, our intendant doing the working session. And uh, it was good, you know? And it, it got me to realize that they actually want you to push, and mm-hmm. do, like really trying to do what they want to do. And even if you don't get there, which he said you didn't get there, they still gave it to me. Because <laughs> they were like, yeah, you know what I mean? Because like, you went along. You were, yeah. you, you were willing. Yes, yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, my story was a chair was put. So um, our internet gave me a bunch of thoughts about what the count was to him, what sort of character he was, and what he, what he, what his reading of the Conte's aria was. And so he explained all of that. And then right at the end of that, he's like, oh, also, here's a chair. Do whatever you want with it. Oh, that's wide open. <laughs> wow. So I threw it across the room at some point. Ah, great. <laughs> I think they were like, what? <laughs> um, yeah, so that was fun. Mm. And I think that let me show what I was willing to do. Mm-hmm. And um, like that day was a rough personal day for me, but I just sort of went, let's just leave it all on the, on the audition stage, I guess. Yeah. And it worked. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting. So I do agree with you there. Mm. It does give you an edge. And I think that's the opposite extreme of sending in a tape at the beginning. Although, when you were talking about mm. uh, you sending in excerpts from productions you'd done as part of your record, as one of your recordings, yes. that, that's also a good way to show it. Because, it is a good way to show it. Because exactly. then you're not just standing and singing. You're actually showing all of your other skills. Certainly. Yeah. But if you just stand there with the piano and don't move, that's not going to stand out. Yeah, I, exactly. I think, exactly. I think you should probably, if you're going to do it with piano, like I did a couple with piano, I moved around a little bit and I sort of took it wider. Mm-hmm. Or I did, even if I couldn't get the camera frame wide enough, I would just do silly things mm. and make it interesting. Or, um, yeah, I think there's something to that. Mm. I think that there's, and I know it sounds terrible, but it's just becoming the way it is. I think there's an art to making the recordings. I can't believe I just said that. But I think, I honestly think there will be. I didn't have to make any of mine and I was lucky. Okay. Oh, I made a couple, but just with piano. But they were just to fill repertoire gaps. But the rest of them were either on stage productions with the conservatoire or the Australian Singing Competition or the Stedford Final or something like that, where it was all done by professionals. Mm-hmm. And thank goodness. Yeah, it, it does make a difference does help yeah did you use any production videos for things for core or were they focused on the voice and you could just show it with piano because i thought sorry can i just jump in yeah with a just a piano does show more clarity than with an orchestra that's true you you have less room to hide of course of course yeah it's more exposed so what was your experience with the recordings so i i used i had one main one from a production um I did Susanna in Nenoza di Figaro ah, cool. in Italy. So I was able to use that. Great. Uh, yeah, which was had a bit of staging in it. But most of the other ones were just yeah, recordings that I, I set mm. up myself. I made myself, yeah. Yeah. Mm. At least the technology is very good. 
Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. I did all mine with my iPhone and that microphone you're talking into. Use your cool. iPhone. Ah. Yeah. Um, just for the video. And then I sync the audio up with that microphone you're speaking, which is only $100 from Australia. So it's quite good. And um, I think these are practical things that don't really get picked up on now. I think people need to think about the recordings they're sending. Yeah. Because totally. they, they get so many applications. They do. If, if there's any way that you can make yours stand out or mm. make, make yours just a little bit more polished or a little bit more refined. Yes. Just give it, give it something that makes people want to watch it. Mm. Yeah. I think that's important. Definitely helps getting you over the line, getting you an, an invitation to audition. Yeah. Mm. I think that's the main thing. Get the invitation. Yeah. Cause, um, and then, but then the hard thing is living up to what they've seen on the bloody video. <laughs> that's not easy. Well, you have a good day and you turn up, you feel like shit, and it's like, ah, shit. Yeah, but that's all part of being a singer. It is, yeah. You know, yeah, it's, totally. No days, <laughs> no days the same. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right. Okay. So, can, what do you see for the future for yourself? Do you want to, do you like core? Do you want to stay in the core? Do you want to try and do some guesting? Do you want to do bits and pieces? So, do you want to switch to being a soloist? Because I know people have done it. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah, people I mean, say you can't, but you can. People do it. You know, it's unbelievable. It's a, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a question that I'm asking myself at the moment mm. is what does my future look like? Yeah, I mean, a lot of, a lot of chorus people, when they get a position, mm. they stay. Yes. And they they really settle. Mm. So also for personal reasons. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, uh, and of course because you know it, it it is difficult to get a position, and so once you have one, you know why would you let it go if you didn't have to? Um, yeah, but that that is a question I'm asking myself. I think when I when I arrived here. In my mind, I'd given myself a few years to to play this out and and see how I feel. Mm. Maybe at least at least two, maybe three. Mm. Yeah, I, I I've done quite a lot of choral singing in the past as well, so I, I have like that sense of a vibrato and like um, yeah, just yeah, so, yeah, just for, so we're clear for everyone because they call a core here a core. Ah, yes, yes. Sorry, to be... that does, that they call the chorus here a core. They call the core here a core. <laughs> and um, then there's wonderful orchestra things. Mm. And so you've done some of that before as well, is what you're saying. Yes. Which is straight tone, more, or more straight tone. It's more. It's a different style, yeah, yeah. A different yeah. approach to singing. You, there's a lot more blending. So you, yes. you, you yes. have to be much more aware of matching mm-hmm. the singers around you. Uh, which is, of course, brings its own challenges. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so so I have I have a lot of chorus experience, but I really I, I still love singing as a soloist. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> not not for the reasons of uh, acknowledgement or for standing out or for being unique or special in any way, but more because I the thing that really gets me excited and gets me what I'm really passionate about is the process of preparing a role. Mm. So really diving into learning, learning the music, uh, both stylistically, but also technically. 
I love that challenge. Mm. And, and then once you get to the stage where you're working with the pianists, with the coaches, with the, the conductors, with the directors, and you're really getting into detail, just every single day trying to, trying to find some little way to improve it or change it or, or to discover something new, that's what I'm really, really passionate about. Mm. Mm-hmm. And while I get that to a certain extent, as a chorus singer, mm-hmm. it's not quite the same. Yes. So yeah, that that is definitely that is a big question I'm asking myself. Is mm-hmm. is am I am I happy uh, trading in a little bit of that maybe um, challenge mm. as a, as an artist for the stability and the security and the the reliability or basically the lifestyle that comes with being a chorus singer Mm. because it's a it is a big decision once you are given a position like this once you once you are given a position as a chorus singer like we've said there's a lot of competition and so there yeah it's a big decision to give that position up Mm. and to not know what you're moving into next Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a scary decision. <laughs> it's different to being in a profession where there's high demand for the for the workers, whereas there is a lot of demand for the jobs yes. in this industry. Yeah. Doesn't necessarily mean in, in such great countries like Switzerland, Germany, perhaps Austria, I'm not so sure, but um, you know, there are good salaries, but that's kind of what makes it attractive. Yes. Absolutely. As I mean, well. people say, "Oh, there's no so, there's no such thing as a good salary in Germany for most things because mm. the taxes." Are, I'm not. It's a load of crap. Sorry, I get paid well. I'm fine. It's all good. <laughs> Just shop at Aldi. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Make some make some adjustments. Exactly. Make some adjustments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you don't need five million different Netflix subscriptions. You yeah. know, you won't have time anyway. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, um, well, depends. Yeah. What part of the season you're in, I guess. But I I think um. Yeah, I th- I think it's um just just a matter of supply and demand really, and I think it would be a big decision to give it up. So, mm. but a, a yeah. good thing a good thing, particularly about this house, I'm not mm. really sure what the what the norm or what the process is in other houses, but here, uh, quite often they will give small roles to the chorus singers. Yes, because and you get a little bit of extra money. Yes, exactly. Right. Tell us about that because we we spoke to Karina Bailey who's in the chorus in Linz. And she went on for a Barbarina and various other little roles. And she actually does, like, I think last season she did, like, three or four small roles. Oh, wow. And, like, they did they did a handle and a, and uh, not so, and something else. And she did a few different... It's pretty cool. It is I mean, It is cool. So, yeah. yeah. What, what does that look like in, in a house in Switzerland? Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm still very new here. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I've only, yeah, yeah. only been what, here what, since what the, what... for a few months, but... For example, in our upcoming production of Ernani, yep. there is a small tenor role, so they've given mm-hmm. it to, to one of my colleagues for that. Cool. Um, a couple of seasons ago, one of my soprano colleagues did Papagena. That's pretty cool, actually. It, it's actually sizable. It's a really sizable role. I mean, there's only one. one little two-minute thing to sing, but, but... Yeah, but there's dialogues. There's dialogues, there's stage time. Mm. Yeah, so it's, it's pretty decent. Uh, last year, what was it, they'd, for their summer production, um, oh, it's just escaped me what they did, uh, but another one of my colleagues sang a small role in that, 
um, not not necessarily long roles, mm. but you know it's 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 decent. If you express to the choir master, to the core director, that you still want to be considered for roles, yes, then they will absolutely absolutely recommend you. That's very cool. If they uh, agree with that, if they agree with that, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And there's always that, but but that that's the good in thing. In principle. There can be something there for you. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And th- th- I made that very clear in my audition interview that I would very much be looking for roles. Uh, yeah, so mm. so that that's sort of in their minds. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, but th- I think that's yeah. also that's also good, the good thing about being in such a small chorus and not having anywhere to hide is that people people see you and hear you. Uh, and so they can maybe, they're more willing to put you forward, to recommend you for things because yes. they, they see your level. Yes. They see your level. It's very clear uh, what your abilities are. Mm. Yeah. And first impressions are, are important because I can't imagine you'd be exposed every single day in your job, even in the rehearsals. Mm. Like they might ask, I'm not even sure how a chorus rehearsal works, but in an orchestra rehearsal, they're like, oh, can we have the strings the first violin play this mm-hmm. and that can be as exposed as they get in a general rehearsal yeah or a, t- or a typical rehearsal i mean not a general but you know um so i guess the first impression of their vo- your voice and things is important to the chorus master for those yes. things absolutely yeah and and like you say there's there's not a whole lot of exposed singing in the chorus rehearsals mm. uh with us like I said, we're only 19, so if he asks for, you know, just the first sopranos to, mm. to sing this passage, it is still pretty obvious which, which voice you can hear, <laughs> mm. which voices you can hear. You, you can definitely pick out the voices. Uh, yeah, which, is, which I guess is another advantage, because then they know, and then they can, they can recommend you if they like your voice, if they think you're appropriate for something. Mm. Mm. Yeah. That's all very interesting. Um, <coughs> is there... Oh, could we... We can cut this out and do whatever we want with it later. Okay. But I wouldn't mind talking about a bit of money things. Not specifics. Okay. But just generally how you find living on your salary. I'll, I'm happily to talk about my experience with that too. Mm-hmm. And um, things like, like Daniel Nicholson said, on a salary in Germany, depending on the city you're in, or at least in his experience... He was able to save a lot of money and things like that. Um, Switzerland is a different kettle of fish, but when the salaries are higher, the expenses are higher as well. So I just wanted to, we don't have to go into exact, I don't want to anyway, go into, well, I might go into a couple of my own experiences, but you talk about what you're comfortable with, but how do you feel on your current salary and how you, your living conditions and expenses? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, Switzerland is very well known as being one of the, <laughs> the richest countries in the world. <laughs> so it's a very, very high standard of living here. Six francs for a cappuccino. <laughs> yeah. Six fifty. And then you got to tip them. Yep. If, you, if you're a nice If person. you're nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Thai buffet takeaway here is 20. And uh-huh. that's and that's, certain that's actually pretty cheap. That is the cheapest you can get. Yeah. A donor costs 
Maybe I'm going the wrong place and you can tell me. But a donut here costs 1750 mm-hmm. francs, which is pretty much similar to euros right now. Yeah, it's not but too different. But for it's a comparison, in München, I get a really good donut for six. Yep, there you go. So that's uh, yeah. almost three times the price. Yep. I mean, yeah, Switzerland is very mm, a very expensive country to live yes. in. Technically not in the EU, so things can be expensive. Exactly. You can only bring in a kilo of mints, for example, from Germany to here, legally. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So there are restrictions on what you can bring into it. Like I've been doing uh, a bit of shopping, or my colleagues have been doing a bit of shopping during our three-week rehearsal period that mm-hmm. we had a, few, a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. But um, he would bring in the limit, you know what I mean? Anyway, sorry, go on about that. Oh, also, uh, you can get fined for changing tyres in Germany and bringing them back. Really? Yeah, you gotta be careful about that sort of thing too. I know someone who did that. Uh oh. And accidentally left the um the receipt on the dashboard. Uh, <laughs> ah, they Which, they love a fine here. Yes, they do love a fine right, here. I've heard, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so basically expensive city but also better salaries, is that right? Exactly, yes. Okay. So unlike New Zealand yes. <laughs> where the cost of living is exorbitant yes. uh, but the, uh, the <laughs> also yes. exactly mm-hmm. but the income that people get is extremely low yes uh, there's a big there's like a big difference yeah, um, yeah. The, fortunately in Switzerland the cost of living is reflected in the wages yes so it kind of balances out in a way mm. which is <sighs> Yeah, it, it's it's good. I mean, I'm I am earning good money. I'm happy to to go into sure. details. Like, okay, I'm on a I'm on a beginner's wage clearly, yes. uh, and in my theater, the beginner's wage for a chorus singer is just over four thousand three hundred francs a month. Mm-hmm. Is that pre or after tax? Which we call brutto and netto here. It's before tax. Good. So that's so, called brutto. Brutto. Yeah. So netto which is what I actually take home. Uh, I, I take home just over 3,300. Three, 3, mm-hmm. Yeah. And the good thing about being a chorus singer is that, I, I, don't, I actually don't know how it is in Germany, but mm-hmm. it, here at least, every year that you stay, yes. your Fair salary that. increases yep. a, a little bit. And what's the rule about rents? Because rents can't really go up in Germany. I mean, well, they can if you're they're in your contract. But what's your what's that situation like? Because sometimes some people freeze their rents. They never move. Mm-hmm. They get this, you know, the increasing salary, and suddenly whoopie mm-hmm. doo, you know, you got all this money. Yeah, I mean, that's the ideal situation, <laughs> of, of course. Never move. <laughs> and I, I will. I will quickly add also yep. that uh, in Switzerland we also get thirteen months pay. So oh, in, that's like in, Austria with fourteen or something. 14 in Austria. They get 14. Well, that sounds nice. <laughs> yes. I think the taxes are higher. Uh-huh. I, I, we can talk... I'll have to talk to someone about that eventually. I'll get them on the podcast. Yeah. So you get 13-month salary. We get 13, yeah. So How does that get actually paid? Do you get that at the end of the season? You get an extra bunch of money so in the, summer or what? The 13th payment, the 13th month, is split. We get mm-hmm. some of it in December and we get some of it in June. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Oh, so it's always... It's nice to, to open up the bank account and see <laughs> see a little extra that month. Oh, hello. There you are. <laughs> oh, nice to see well, you there. Let's take away tonight. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's yeah. a good feeling. Uh, 
Yeah. Uh, so rent, the situation here. Um, yes. In my experience, it's actually has not been difficult to find an apartment. And I really like your flat. We've Thank had this you. Discussion. Yeah. It's very spacious. It is. Yeah. Yeah. I got. Like, I think it's much I. Bigger than mine. I, I want to say I got lucky, but yeah, I really, I really didn't find it difficult to find a place here. So. I'm reading Zang's garden, so we're clear. So it's not Zurich. Yes. It's not Munich. It's, yeah, it's Zurich is very difficult. The population of course. here is seventy thousand. Yeah, just over seventy thousand. Yeah. yeah, yeah. People yeah. would call that like like that's like the population of Orange or something in Australia, which is like a small town. I don't know. Actually, I need to check the pop. I've probably just offended a bunch of people in Orange. Yeah. Maybe there's more <laughs> or less people than that, but really, that's not a big town. Uh, but and Munich it, isn't, a, isn't a big city. It's only 1.4 million. Yeah. Sydney's well, like 5 million. Well, I mean, to put it in context, there's only 8 million people in the whole of Switzerland. Yeah, so it's, it's it's not a lot of people. I love Switzerland. <laughs> so cool. I do. I do have to say, I kick myself almost every day. You, you know, when yourself. I'm... I what? You pinch P- yourself. Pinch myself, yeah, Kicking yeah. Kicking yourself is when you're pissed off at yourself, isn't oh. it? <laughs> okay, well then I pinch myself. <laughs> I kick myself when I ever moved here. Yeah. yeah, it is pinch yourself stuff, isn't I, it? I yeah. pinch myself, you know, if I'm if I'm going for a walk or I, I'm biking to work or something, mm. and I, I just look around me and honestly, it feels like I'm living in a postcard now. Yeah. It is just, it is. And when it snowed the other week, whoa, oh, what the hell Switzerland, was that? It was just showing off. Switzerland was showing off. And they're so organized here that the streets are actually swept. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. Switzerland, everything is very orderly. Everything's oh, very organized, very so orderly, perfect. very clean. Oh, yeah. I think the Swiss are very. I've not seen a cigarette butt. Uh-huh. Really, uh-huh. I've seen a couple, but Yeah, I mean, nothing. it's it's just the, the standard of living, the quality of life. The, the overall like life satisfaction is oh. very high here. Oh, yeah. Very high. Yeah. So, yeah. So I pinch myself <laughs> that, I, that I live here now. <laughs> At least that's what it is in Australia, pinching yourself and kicking yourself. I'm, I'm probably wrong. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But that's because um, I was like, oh, you kick yourself about Switzerland. <laughs> I don't. I live here. Like, really? <laughs> Can I just say also that um, the money's good here, uh, so good here that they have, instead of a five euro note, like that we have in the EU, they have a five franc coin. We do. Like it's just a coin here. <laughs> I'm like, like yeah. I was about, to, I was like, this is a two francs. Oh, it's five, you know. Yeah. I was like, what the hell? Yeah, yeah. And um, there is a thousand franc note. I've seen one. And Don't the... ask me how I've seen one. I've seen, I've seen a thousand franc note. And what are you meant to do with that? Ugh. Who is comfortable carrying That's... that sort of money around? <laughs> it's pocket money for some people in Switzerland. <laughs> <laughs> But the, I mean, the money is beautiful. Like the, the notes, the, the polymer the is gorgeous, it is and it has yeah. all the languages on it. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. The, and they have that weird fourth language. So the, the official languages of Switzerland are Italian, French, German, and yes. Monch or what is it? No, Romansh. Yeah. Why did I say Monch? <laughs> Monch is like. Uh, so I went to the bibliotheque. Uh, yeah. uh, yeah. um, which they have an amazing bibliotheque. You must must come and see mm. this cloister thing they've got. Um, but. Um, what was it? What were we talking about? We're talking about rent. About yes, rent. And the, yes. So, mm-hmm. what's your percentage of salary to rent, and how does that go mm-hmm. for you? Uh, I mean, I can. I haven't worked out the exact percentage. Oh, that's alright. I can. Well, people can work it out at home. Yeah. So, to put it in context, my apartment. Yeah, yeah, it'd be interesting to to work it out. <laughs> See if I can remember how to do math, <laughs> even with a calculator. <laughs> So your Gehalt, let's say netto. Yeah. 
three, your monthly salary, three, 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 three. Okay. Mm-hmm. And we put that over. Sorry, we do it the other way. God, I'm such a fucking idiot. <laughs> um, what's your rent? One one eight zero. One one eight zero. Jeez, I'm such an idiot. And Will then, this part be in? And then it's three three. Three three. Yeah. So it's thirty five percent. Yeah. Thirty six percent. Sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And they say generally as a rule, pay thirty percent rent. Yeah. Which literally. I don't think is possible nowadays. Yeah, I mean that's that's and kind of a. Mention. I'll talk, talk it's, to her about. It's a, it's a goal. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And to put it in context, my apartment is 70 square meters, which is, oh, is pretty decent. It's massive. It's pretty decent. 70? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I mean, I and think... And you've got a hallway and three rooms. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, do, I do like my apartment. It's beautiful. Yeah. Great high ceilings too. Probably not good for heating things, but... Yeah, not, not ideal for that. <laughs> but I think it's... A, Beautiful apartment. Mm. Just, you've done it really well. Not like my apartment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm still collecting furniture slowly over yes. time. Takes a while to get settled. But oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But uh, from from my experience, when I was looking for apartments, mm. it's anywhere. It, it's kind of between a thousand and a thousand three hundred. That's the normal range. If you if sort of if you got like a shoebox, a shoebox, like, you would be. I would. Well, like a like a one room kind of. Yeah, thing. like Einzimmer, Einzimmer long, um, like not like thirty forty. Yeah. yeah. Spicy, fancy. You would be looking at maybe eight hundred, maybe uh, maybe nine hundred. Might as well pay the bit extra and get all this. Yeah, exactly. Why not? I mean, yeah, I think yeah. I I think I got lucky with the size of this one for the price, mm. uh, but. Yeah, I think in general, for something that's, I don't know, 60, 50, 60, 70 square meters, you'd mm. be looking at around 1,200 mm. francs per month. Yeah. It's not bad, is it? It's not bad. I mean, the whole situation is pretty good. Yeah. And I mean, food at the grocery store, well, supermarket, is, yeah. of course, more expensive than <laughs> Germany as well. Uh, mm. Yeah. It's getting... I mean, look, I've got to say that Germany is getting expensive mm. but in saying that they they actually legislate that you have to you know get a get inflation compensation uh-huh. so it all sort of works out i guess okay <laughs> never mind the state of the economy you, ha- or anything. you haven't seen that yet though <laughs> i'm seeing what the inflation uh rise in your in my pay in your pay or anything. i have actually how good okay. yes um which i think is really interesting mm. And amazing. It'd be amazing if they did that in Australia. Wow. Yeah, but Just um, and it's like a big political issue. Like, well, well, we can't raise the minimum wage. It's mm. like well, it has to go through all sorts of things. It's like here, it's just which you know, in an Australian mindset, I can think in my head and I understand how small business works. Watching my parents do it, and I'm like, okay, well, I kind of get that. Mm. But it's like, hang on a minute, everyone's mm. getting ripped just for existing. Yeah. And people yeah. are because the government spent too much money at some point, or there's more demand because the economy is doing so well and there's a bunch of inflation all of a sudden. It's mm-hmm, like, well, mm-hmm. well, should everyone get screwed for that? I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know. Anyway, it's just an example mm-hmm. either way, but the mindset is different here. Yeah. And yes. um, I believe inflation wasn't as bad here as Germany. That's a good question. That's not something I know a lot about. Okay. Yeah, just to... Because I know that... Yeah. I know that... Speaking to a couple of people I know who live in Switzerland in the Italian part... 
they get people get really pissed off here when there's inflation. And <laughs> I think Swiss people are like more on the ball with politics and just from what I've heard. Mm-hmm. But that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sort of a bit off top topic, sorry. But so the situation is pretty good for living here, I think. I think so. With that I think sort so. of salary and yeah. Yeah, there's mm. definitely more than enough to save a good amount of money. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I, I would say, although it is a shock, you know, the first time you go to the supermarket oh, or the yeah. first time you have to buy something here, if you have been living somewhere cheaper like Germany, mm. you just have to put it in perspective. It's just, a again, a mindset shift. Yes. Where, you know, you, you look at the price for something and you just, the first time you see it, you freak out because of the number, but then you realize actually it's all in proportion to what I earn. So, so there's no, um, yeah, <laughs> it's not so much of a deal anymore. That's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I totally think, I'm so glad we're having this conversation. Um, I think we need to look at things. You know, when I speak to people in Australia, they're like, and they're closer people who I speak to money about, I suppose, they're like, well, that's not much money. But yeah, but you know, I'm not paying Sydney rent. I don't need all that money. Mm, mm. Like, okay, yes, of course. I, in principle, we all want to save more money, become more financially secure. But in principle, but the reality is, uh, you don't really need all that money mm. if your expenses are lower. Exactly. Can't say that for Munich. I mean, we'll get to that in a second, but because mm. of the rents. Mm. But the food is, if you shop at a discount supermarket like an Aldi, mm-hmm. here you have dinner which is the same as Penny in mm. Germany. And there's also, I don't know if you've heard of it, maybe you've got it in München, I think you will. Uh, there's this amazing organisation, like service, mm. called Too Good To Go. Yes, I haven't you done know, that yet, but I need to do it. Highly, highly recommend. Yes, it's like so, cheap food you get at the end of the day. or. Yeah, so for anyone who doesn't know it, it's uh, businesses can advertise on a certain app uh, mm. called Too Good To Go. Um, it's a, in Switzerland they have supermarkets as well as cafes or uh, restaurants, um, any business that prepares food and you can buy at the end of the day either like extra food that they couldn't sell or food from the supermarket that has a, you know, a little bit of damage on it or mm. they, they deem as unsellable mm. but it's still amazing quality. Yeah. So so, I, you can buy here. You can buy enormous boxes of fruits and vegetables. Really. For four ninety francs, four francs ninety, so which would normally be you know fifteen twenty yeah. francs, and it's that's just another way that you can save money. So yeah, exactly as you say, it's all about figuring out where you can, uh, where you can save and what you mm. what you can spend money on. Yeah, just just get your get your head around it. Get your priorities right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I mean, if you are a singer and you like going to the theater, you mm-hmm. get like, well, you say tax card and your Steuerkarten, and same thing. Um, you get cheaper tickets with all the theaters. Mm-hmm. Do you get cheaper tickets if you went to Zurich for the weekend? Let's say, did you, do you get, can you show your Dienstausweis and... I actually don't know that yet. Okay. Because in I, Germany you can. I need to ask. Mm. I certainly haven't been told that. No one's mm. mentioned it. Okay. But, yeah, it's a good question. I'll have to ask. That'd be interesting to know. Mm. In Germany, it's like your own house. You get, you can get Dienstkarten, which are just for like, if you're singing that night, and you can get tickets for your friends or something. There's a limit on that. It depends. Look, this is my experience anyway. And then 
Steuerkarten, if I went to my theater and watched someone else sing, other my colleagues, um, that'd be like seven euro. And then if I, I went to Augsburg and watched a Fidelio, that cost me like 12 euro because mm -hmm. I'm a, in the system. And uh, yeah, it's interesting. You know, you, so you save that way too. Mm. So if you're mm -hmm. a theater junkie like me, <laughs> that's all you do. And then mm. under 30 tickets, if you're under 30, it's amazing. Mm, yeah. So. That's a good system. It's just amazing here. Mm. Um, yeah, so. And like I said, the, the, my experience in München is like I paid 50% pretty much of my salary on rent. And that's because it's München. Yeah. And also, there's a lot of demand for rentals at the moment for things in the EU, big cities. Uh, refugee crises and things always add to things. Yeah, there's more course. demand, which of is course. just normal. Um Mm. I don't think it's as, um, it mustn't be as bad, um, in Switzerland because they're not part of the EU. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, I can only speak from my experience of trying mm. to find somewhere, but it, it was, there's more than enough supply. Yes. At least in St. Gallen. Yes. And I know that in Zurich it is much harder. Right. Okay. Yeah. I think it's more the similar. The rents are high there. Oh, oh, ouch. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, it's there. Yeah, that, that... I spoke to someone recently who was trying to sublet for a month and couldn't get a big Zimmer for 2000 like a tiny big Zimmer hmm. for 2000 It's more than twice my rent. Yeah. Yeah, it's just another world. It really is another for a world. room, and I have my whole apartment. It's crazy. Mm. Um, yeah, so anyway, I paid 50% of my salary to rent. But that's really just because München is so expensive. But luckily, I'm a pretty simple guy. And I just like to go to the theater. And because I'm trying to learn German, I don't have Netflix right now. <laughs> I just watch the, the equivalent of ABC iView, the ARD Mediathek, uh -huh. which has Swiss Tartarorte on it, which I need to watch. Oh. Just like their big crime show. Mm -hmm. um, and every German sort of region has one, German-speaking region. Anyway, so like I just watch stuff like that. If I have downtime, I'm always at the theater. I'm trying to get out and about, and I might just eat at home a bit more. Mm -hmm. But for me, it works really well, and I would much rather be here mm. the way I am than going out, blowing all my money on the weekend, drinking or going for lunch, you know? Yeah, it's, I, just, it's just all about priorities. That's it. And I have a really nice cantina. <laughs> oh, yeah. So if I want to buy lunch, it's like half the price. Like How much do you have to pay to get It's a lot better lunch? than your cantina. <laughs> but as, again, the salary thing. Yeah, you put so, it in perspective. <laughs> but when I come down here as a guest, it's, yeah. uh, it does, it, it's the same effect. So yeah, I, our cantina is like six fifty. Okay. for a meal. That's pretty good. That's pretty good, yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, mm. but, yeah, yeah here, here it's 10 or uh, wait. Yeah. Either, either 10 or 15, depending on which uh, yes. option you get. Yes, that's right. Mm. Um, and then, yeah. So, yeah, my, my rent's like 900 var meter. And then, like, I get about, you know, 1800 or so in the hand after Netul. Mm. But it's kind of like you are really taken care of once it's all that money's taken out. Like, you've got your health insurance <laughs> See, we've been speaking English. I've been speaking German all day. Now I can't speak German. And then... Um, Although I will say quickly, yes, that in Germany, that's kind of taken care of by your employer, isn't it? Yes. yes. That's not so here. In Switzerland, uh -huh. your health insurance is all privately organized, privately paid. 
So you have so, to organize an yes. insurance. I mean, we do as well. We have to organize one, but yes, it goes through the employer. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, so here you, you pay everything yourself. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. How do and you it's find not, that is? it's not cheap here. It's very, <laughs> very, that's, I would say after rent, that's definitely the biggest expense. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I guess what else it would it be, but that's, oh, but then how's your electricity and all that? Uh, do you, do you have it like Germany? Like it's van meter, like the, they sort yeah, out yeah. With the landlord, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's inclusive. Uh, I think no. Sorry, electricity is not included in the VAM. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Which kind of sounds like an oxymoron, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, you don't but, have to say that again. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's very true. But uh, at least from <laughs> from the months that I've, I haven't been here very long. But from what I've had to pay so far, it's not too bad. It's only been what fifty francs per month. Yeah. Yeah. And again, to talking about like where can you save money, where can you cut costs. I'm here. I I live alone, uh, and so I chose to get a phone plan with unlimited data as opposed to buying a phone plan and getting Wi-Fi. Just didn't make sense. So it's an extra expense. Yeah, that works for me. Yes. Mm. Oh, very interesting. Mm. That's pretty good, and I'm glad we talked about that because it's just. Something you need to discuss at some point with somebody. Totally. And if people have an idea of what a starting chorus salary in Switzerland start, sounds like and a mm -hmm. starting... Also, young artist programs are all different though. Different contracts and different everything. So, mm -hmm. And you have to be aware of that. I mean, I have heard some shocking stories. Mm. And you're not employed properly or you're not actually getting taxable income. You're getting a stipendium. Mm. So it depends. Um yeah, from what I've from what I've also heard, there's a lot of cutting corners, a lot of trying to use use people, but can happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. can happen. My experience has been very good, I must say, mm -hmm. extremely good. Uh, treated very well. Get a lot of training, a lot of coaching, but also some days long hours. So it's just the way it goes. But um, I do find it very good. Um, is there anything else we want to cover? What are you saying to someone? Who's on like the edge of, I don't know if I want to go to Europe and sing. Like someone who's like, okay, let's, let's like do like the thing we've all been through, which is like, mm. you're either at the end of your bachelor or at the end of your master's in Australia or New Zealand. And you're like, right. Now what? Now what? Mm. Particularly like, let's say you haven't won a competition or you've won a competition where it's like a money prize. Maybe it's not enough money. Maybe it's plenty of money. But either way, you're just like, I need to work out what my next singing activity slash development slash lot of work is. <coughs> so, and like there's people who might be thinking, okay, UK, did the whole study thing there. Hopefully get into it yet by the time I'm 30 after I've done all the extra education over there and mm -hmm. the years of study, which is, can drive you to 30 by that point, mm -hmm. which is dangerous, might say. You know, perpetual student, yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, or it's like, do I do the Hochschule, um, or do I, what are you saying? And also, what are you saying to someone who's like, maybe like a very typical lyric soprano with, you know, a hundred other million people doing the same thing mm. who might need to consider core as well. Mm -hmm. What are you saying to that sort of person? There's plenty of them. Yeah, they certainly are, <laughs> especially yes. Sopranos. Yes. Yeah. I think it's always an advantage if you have some kind of 
European or maybe British passport. Maybe not so much British anymore because Brexit yeah. happened. <laughs> yeah, oh, just a word of advice there. Getting an appointment for a German visa with a British passport in, in London, six months. Wait time. Uh-huh. Okay. Don't do it. Okay. I considered going that way because I have British passport. Uh, and then I just decided to go to Greece and get my Greek passport and find someone who could speak Greek for me. Because <laughs> I can't speak Greek. And I was very lucky there. Sorry. Mm. But, but that's something to consider for people. Go on. And you, you absolutely have an advantage now because you're part of the EU. You have an EU yes. passport. But you do have more success with an Australian or Kiwi passport, is my understanding, of getting a visa than a British person. Uh-huh, yeah. Like I know on paper they're equal, but I think people are having better experiences getting visas as Australians and yeah. Kiwis maybe. Yeah, I think Brexit really stuffed things up for a lot of people, made yeah. things very difficult. Yeah. Disaster. Yeah, so definitely uh, it's an advantage <laughs> if, yes. you, if you have some kind of passport. And get onto it early, people. If you know that there's some distant relative... Milk it. Milk it. Milk and it. Also, my Greek passport took three years in Skazamt. Oh, wow. Three years. And I had to go to the village where my grandfather was born. Well, I mean, that's kind of a nice excuse to go to Greece, but, well, yeah. but still, I mean, do you know how three many years. Hours on the bus it was? Yeah. was? That bus was not on Google Maps. <laughs> and I was running around this bus station in Thessaloniki speaking to a bunch of people who did not speak English and being harassed by Albanian gypsies asking for money. It was very uncomfortable. Sounds like a real experience. (laughs) (laughs) With two ginormous suitcases. Uh, Anyway, sorry, go on from there. Yes, so exploring heritage, paperwork. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. really. uh, We've already talked about how important it is to know your own personality and your your basic needs, what you... mm -hmm. Where, where you think your, mm, how, how you feel you best function. Mm. Uh, that's really key. I think it's also really important to be really sort of logical and pragmatic and honest with yourself mm-hmm. and to realize what your strengths and weaknesses are as a singer. For example, I know that I do not have the most impressive voice. I don't have the most impressive the mo- the best instrument itself but i have other skills which i can use to make up for it mm. for example i i always really really lean into the sort of acting the portrayal the character the the dramatic side of the of the performing rather than just trying to rely on my voice uh yeah, so that, that's that's always been something that I'm very honest with myself about. Um, because there's just too many singers. There's just too oh, much. God, yeah. There's just too many. There's too many of us, and <laughs> there are there is always going to be someone who is uh, better and yes. who is more advanced, or who you know. Some people you 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 listen to three notes come out, and you just go, oh "My God, they sound like a god." Mm. You know, yep. so there are always there are always there are too many people like that. So yeah, just be really aware of what your own strengths and your weaknesses are. Yes. Uh, of course, work on your weaknesses, preferably before you try and go overseas. <laughs> or not, you learn how to waltz during the rehearsals. Yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> just wing it. <laughs> uh, but yep. yeah, I I would I would definitely uh, advise encourage people let's say mm, mm. to challenge their 
belief that chorus singing is the second option or is a failure. Yes. Especially if you are one of a voice type where there are too many, <laughs> like a soprano. Oh, yeah. Oof. I know there are a lot of baritones as well. But yeah. Yeah, bar- yeah baritone. But you know, we have a much better chance than soprano. Yeah, that's true. Like it's hard as a as a guy, but I mean, mm. sorry, as a, as a baritone, mm. but as a guy, generally, it's a lot better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, a lot of, lot of baritone roles. And I mean, there's mm. always a soprano roles, but there's less second and third soprano roles than second and third baritone roles to fill. Yeah, true. So, you always have to have a villain, <laughs> even if it's a yes. small, sneaky one. Totally, uh, totally. What else would I say? Yeah, I, I mean, if someone is really um is wanting to actually make a career of being a singer i don't i don't really know what it's like in australia but Mm. in new zealand it's not really possible yeah it's not really possible you have to okay yeah like career career meaning you well okay i consider being a professional someone who does it for their money Mm -hmm. like for their main source of income like talking over 70 percent. i would i would class that sorry, I'm just about to sneeze. Maybe it will come. Maybe it won't. And then, and then, but you know, everyone has different defer, uh, definitions. definitions of that. Mm. And there are certainly professional, quality singers who aren't doing it as their full time gig in our countries. Mm, that's and true. That's okay too. Mm. Um, mm. Depends what you need. Um, yeah, it depends what then, you want to do. Yeah, yeah. That's it. And then I think the definition of a career might be. I listened to a podcast once with a very famous psychologist saying that a career is really when you move, you your set of skills uh, are something that you can move between a bunch of places and fix things and then move on. And That sounds like a soloist to me. But mm. core is different because you stay in one house a long time. The soloists yes. can't always do that and yes. often they don't. Yes. So I would sort of throw that away and just say if you have a career as a core like you're in the same house or you can sing in multiple cores depending where you move yeah and that that is the good thing about uh, once once you're in as a chorus member once you have that experience on your Mm. cv Mm. uh, i think it's much easier to to get more opportunities to Mm. move between houses Mm. yeah i think it's it's difficult to get your foot in the door but then once you yeah like i said once you have it on your cv then things can open up for you more Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but yeah, just, just, just don't view, I mean, when I, when I came to Europe, all I knew was that I wanted to make my living working full time as a singer. I didn't, yes. I didn't have any, I didn't set any expectations for myself around exactly where it had to be yes. exactly what that had to look like or like uh, what what kind of position I would be doing what kind of music I would be singing I didn't have any of those expectations for myself which I think helped uh-huh. I I just knew that I wanted to make my living as a singer yeah it's a very broad uh, definition uh, and so I I always entertained the idea of seeing as a chorus a chorister seeing uh-huh. seeing an, an opera chorus uh, and it was always a viable option for me and, and you thought about that during your studies too um 
Or did, where, did, where did that not, attitude change? Yeah, not so much during my studies there because yeah. because yeah. I was fed this uh, this idea, this belief that if you're studying to if you're studying singing, that means that you're studying to be a soloist. Yes. Like if if you're if you're taking singing lessons, then you have to learn how to be a soloist. Yeah. But I'm still. I'm still singing as a soloist, yep. but just within a group of people. Yes. I haven't I haven't changed That's right. how I'm singing. Yes. I haven't changed how I'm acting. I get more stage time than the soloists. I yes, get to you do. sing in <laughs> I get to sing a lot more productions throughout the season. Costumes are equally as good. Costumes are <laughs> freaking fantastic. Which is, uh, yeah, they are amazing. Like, Lena as well. We we get we get I get everything. I get to do everything and I'm still doing it. I I still feel like I'm singing as a soloist, really, Mm. Uh, especially because it's such a small group of people here. But yeah, I haven't changed anything about how I sing Mm. uh, just because I'm now doing it with three other first sopranos. Yes. You know? Yeah, because I I mean, a conductor once told me this, I think it rings true, the opera chorus is a collection of mixed soloists mm-hmm. where you combine the voices to create an overall wash of sort of sound or a mix of sound, not a wash, you know what I mean? Not mm-hmm. a, I'm not throwing that statement away. I'm saying that it's a mix of soloistic voices, whereas like you said, in a choir, you have to blend. Yes. And there are people who take a blending approach, I think, to a chorus, but a, a blend is not necessarily something you can achieve as an individual singer, it's a you know opera chorus. You've got to fit within the broader thing. And there is also a difference between uh, trying to achieve this blend of a yes. sound yes. and simply. Um, I mean, of course, when you sing in an opera chorus, you still have to be precise. Mm. You still have to co- be very coordinated as a group. You still yes. have to you know place your consonants on the same exactly the same beat on the same timing. You have to make sure you're. Crescendi, diminuendi are gemeinsam, like you do them together. Uh, so you, you do still have to be very precise. Of course, yeah. Consonants on pitch. Cons- everything everything has to be um, uh, addressed yes. together, collectively as a group. Yeah. Yeah, but but in terms of the actual singing, like your, your individual voice, you're not trying to suppress or change yes. your individual instrument. Yes, when you're singing yeah. in, in an opera chorus, it's which like, yeah. I, I find really kind of enjoyable and really freeing in a way. Mm, mm. Yeah, you don't have to change yourself. And then you can do your solo stuff on the side. Exactly. If you and want to go and learn a song cycle or a recital. Yeah. I have a lot of colleagues also who sing uh, with various uh, cathedrals or yes. something around. And so they get a lot of work as soloists every week. They make, make good money on the side. Sure do. Uh, yeah, sure do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you can do that as well. Mm. There's no rule that says that And you... your product is not killed. It's not quashed. Exactly. It stays you. There is no, there's no <coughs> rule that says that once you're a choir singer, that's all you are. Yep. Once you sing in a core, that's it. You, you still have the ability to do concerts, to do mm. recitals, to, to sing other things, you know? Yeah. There's so many more things available, so many more mm. opportunities which if you have the drive and the focus and the um, 
their sort of administrative abilities sometimes (laughs) you can make it happen absolutely yeah i i would just say to all of that like with singers who (coughs) sorry who uh are like being fed this thing of you have to be a soloist blah 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 if you don't make a soloist why would you move your life to the other side of the world and that was kind of you know, something given to my, by, my, by my family too. It's like, Jeremy, it's a big sacrifice. You're moving. What are you doing? You don't want to be in a conference. But I don't know. Obviously, they're not, they're not opera people and they love me and they want me to stay home. And, and, but they also, and I give full credit to my family with this, have given me every single tool to get over. And they're like, we understand it's hard, but you've got to do it. And they get it and they're amazing at it. Um, I'm, I'm very happy for you that you it's, have that it's, I'm support. very grateful for it. It's yeah. amazing. They're yeah. amazing. My folks have absolutely brilliant but what I would say is to a singer who's like okay maybe the lyric soprano <clears throat> who is you know semi-conscientious but probably wouldn't work herself to the bone and also like a lot of women do sacrifice having children at that very high level which is that big sacrifice I'm not saying all women should go and have children but I know I want children one day and I know that I'm gonna make a sacrifice but it's not going to be like a woman has to use for the you know the usual nuclear family the woman has to sacrifice it's a it's mm-hmm. an issue mm-hmm. and so it's like okay well then you know how are you going to manage that and it's like if you're if you're not really killing yourself <laughs> and uh and all that and it's like it's not life or death whether you sing these big roles yes um it's going to be a lot harder or you might not find it as easy as someone who is giving that commitment Mm -hmm. and it's not right or wrong whether you do or not i think it's a lot of its personality and i think a lot of it is finding your place within the opera world completely and i know people who've made career change with from core to soloist to opera studio to a core opera studio to fest opera studio to freelance direct to freelance these crazy people who win competitions (laughs) like the belvedere crazy people (laughs) amazing we all aspire Mm. but the reality is they make huge sacrifices. They do. And just think about it. Like, why can't you move your life to Germany for a few years while you figure it out? It's fucking amazing. That's a, <laughs> that's a really good point as well. If someone is considering moving overseas just to, just to experience it, mm. I say do it. You don't yes. Have, just, just do it. Even if you don't end up getting a job as a singer, even if you don't end up studying somewhere... I know people who've moved to Europe, like from, even from places like America, and now they're working as music therapists. Yeah. Or they have family with someone they love and they've met, and they like the culture. They have a circle of friends, so they speak another language to every day, and they still go and visit their family. There are so so many advantages and so many amazing things about moving to a different country and experiencing a different culture, especially in Europe where everything is so close. You know, I'm where I am in Switzerland is. Right, oh, yeah. good position. Right in the, it's kind of a corner. Uh, Bordensee. The Bordensee, which is a lake, which is where, <coughs> on one side there's Germany, on the the southern end, uh, southeastern end there's Austria, and then right next to that is Switzerland, and then a few hours south is Italy, and everything is so so close. Mm-hmm. It's so easy to to get around. Tra- public transport's amazing, but everything is so accessible. And if you, if you feel like you want to get out of Australia, New Zealand, yes. or anywhere, or you want to go back one day and you just want to try it out, of course. Yeah. But I, I, 
I strongly believe that everyone should at least travel and yes. should experience different cultures, experience new things, experience new ways of living. Yes. And so if you have the opportunity mm. to go, go. I say go. go Take it. Here. Take it. Yeah. 100%. You just, you will, I mean, of course, there's no denying that it's very difficult to, to leave your homeland and to be separated from family and all that kind of stuff. But in my experience, at least, I would not have done it a different way. I would, mm. I would definitely still have moved. God, yeah. Mm. Yeah, like, <clears throat> I would have had to come here at some point. Yeah. I'm just, it's a drug. Yes. It's really drug <laughs> Yeah. It's bad. <laughs> it's yeah. bad. You know? Because, because was... also, if you, if you had stayed in Australia and you, you know, you have a lot of drive and you have a lot of yeah. fire, you'll just be always left wondering, what if I'd gone? Yeah. That's and it. that's the worst feeling. Yeah. Well, that went away when I came here. And, um... Exactly. Yeah. <coughs> Pardon me. But yeah, totally. More water? Oh, it's fine. That's yeah. all right. I'll keep going. We'll mm. a bit more. But I, I think, I think you can't leave stones left unturned. And I think, you know, I'm certainly not calling marriage and things like that shackles, but it's, if you're free and single or you have someone who wants to go with you or whatever, just do it while you can, before you have a family, uh, before you have exceeding responsibilities and, a concern that one day you'll need enough in your retirement savings to not do things when you're sick and ill. Mm. This is the time. Now is always the time, I think. Yeah. Um, in, a, in a way. I mean, I knew that I was not ready vocally to go until I about, about the time I finished my master's or about towards the end of my master's. I was very lucky I worked that out. And my teacher was fabulous, guided me through it and helped my voice settle and find its thing. But if you're ready at the end of your bachelor, you need to go. Mm. I know people who are. Mm. I was never that person. Yeah, neither was I. You know, mm. and also my end, end of my bachelor was COVID, so it was like okay, better just stay anyway. <clears throat> but I think the time is always now or soon. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. And even if you're not ready vocally, you can still move and you can still do other things. You can still yes move, learn your languages. You can you can get a job seeking visa in Germany for six months. Uh huh. And if I know in if you're a New Zealander at least, you can get a working holiday visa, which is a year for Germany. Yes. If you're under thirty, that Australians is. have that option as well. Some, but I don't know what the specifics are. But that's pretty good. Definitely look into that. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, of course, yeah. if you're uh, if you're wanting to just travel for a little bit, you get the Schengen visa, which is oh, yeah. ninety days. Yes, that's right, and mm -hmm. that's without. If you're Australian, New Zealander, you just turn up. Yeah, that's, that's an automatic thing. So you don't have to apply for that visa. You just automatically granted it. Yes. Mm -hmm. And the good thing is, the silver lining of Brexit is you can go to the UK, which yes. is out of the EU now. Mm -hmm. And you can do another, you can do your 90 days there or go between. And then you can come back without the visa and go back and forth. Yes. I would also say, not that I would encourage working or trying to study in the UK because it's so bloody expensive and there's no work. Um, although there is work, there's just very few and it's very hard and competitive. I would just say that there is a youth mobility visa, which you can get for two years as an Australian. Uh -huh. And cool. I reckon the Kiwis would have a deal. You guys would have a deal with oh, them too. You guys are good with passport. Like yeah. You're better than us with passports. Yeah, the New Zealand passport is a pretty powerful one. Mm. Yeah. <clears throat> I, don't, I don't know much about the youth mobility thing for the UK. Right. I, I never looked into the UK. Yes. Uh, so... 
But just, you just sparked my, my thought there. There are, oh, from memory, maybe like five, six opera houses in the UK. Yes. With How many people live in the UK? It's like 65 million or something. So, it's not as many as Germany, but... Of course. Germany's like 85 or something. Yes, it's but 85 then, million, yeah. But to put it into context, <laughs> yeah. every single town in Germany <laughs> yeah. has some kind of theatre. Yes. Every single one. No matter how small, no matter how big, every single town has an opera house. There's basically an opera house per million people. Yeah. At minimum. Yeah. So and there's, then there's churches to work in. Yeah. There's orchestras. <clears throat> there's all the Rundfunk chords. Yeah. And all this stuff. And so we've just per spent. Capita basis. We've just spent like the last hour or so talking about how it's so difficult to find work. But then, if, but then Germany is really. Uh, the place to go, I it's think, the, if yes. you if you if you want to find work, just because of the the amount of opera houses there are. <laughs> yes. My teacher said to me, "Jeremy, Jeremy's uh, Jeremy is amazing. Germany, Jeremy. <laughs> well, Jeremy is amazing. Comma, definitely not. Germany <laughs> is amazing, but everyone knows about it. Yeah, that's true. That's it's just true. the way it is. Yeah, yeah. You got it. It's a melting pot of people. Everyone's yeah. from everywhere. And I think it's kind of cool. You, I mean, you meet some people in the auditions. It's mm. really nice. Mm. I met people from everywhere. And actually, I end up, you end up bumping into people after. Like, I met, I met up with people at Schulte Academia that got jobs over me, which was cool because you actually get to meet them and then you turn up at a thing and it's like, wow, mm. here you are. Yeah, go you. We both got jobs. Yeah, go in you. In the end. <laughs> yeah, it might take longer, but... <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. all right. Yeah, There's yeah. an extra month of stress, you know, but that's fine, you know. <laughs> nah, it's, all in good, it's all in good faith and you, mm. you're actually a team, really, with all mm. your colleagues in, in one way or another. Mm. And that's why we did the podcast because this is ridiculous, particularly because, you know, anyone in the world can listen to this podcast. But in reality, it's Aussies and hopefully more Kiwis as we get more Kiwis on. But basically, we want to just help. Like, we just want to do what we can. If people can be bothered to listen to the, mm. I don't know how long this episode is now, but two hours or so and get all the details, they can. Mm. The opportunity is there. There's a resource list on our website that people can go and look at. Mm-hmm. And it's all there. And it's like, go and do it, you know? Completely. There's, yeah, there's also this sort of... Uh, stereotype or like a belief that, that there's a certain level of bitchiness or competition between singers yeah not always no not always there certainly doesn't have to be and especially when you are engaged at a house at a house at a as a, oh, a full-time yeah like fest at a house the ensemble vibe is amazing it is and I remember I brought a I brought a couple of people into the canteen to have lunch I'm busy and them come have lunch and I signed them in and they're like the atmosphere is brilliant. Mm. Everyone's just really nice. Really I mean, the cantina at St. Gallen is beautiful too. Really collegial. Everyone's, yeah, everyone's just so lovely. And mm. you can make some really good friends. Really, really yes. good friends. So there doesn't, there doesn't have to be this feeling of uh, competition and everyone for themselves. I, I, really, I really admire that you're doing this podcast because it should should not be like that, you know? Yeah. This information, this, <laughs> these tips, all of these, everyone's stories, everyone's experiences, it should just be available and everyone should know, you know, there's no reason to gatekeep no, you know, all no. of this in order to try and give yourself an advantage or anything. There's no point. No, especially when you've already done things. Yeah, like, absolutely. And then it's like, okay, it's 
should be helping other people. Get yeah, them up. You completely, know? completely. <clears throat> and, you know, like that's even... Some people have hosted me as well on the way through and doing things. And that's part of it too. Mm. You have to do whatever you can. You don't have to start a bloody podcast. But it takes up <laughs> hours of your time. But you can, do, you can do anything. Take phone calls from people. people and, and I don't know if I mentioned this, but I started this because with Jessica because I had run... I hadn't run Jessica, but I texted Jessica and I met Jessica. But then I'd run a bunch of other people and read Jessica's blog. And everyone had given me like an hour on the phone. I was asking many of the same questions, but also different questions and asking for introductions to people. Mm -hmm. I did that all before I left Australia. It saved me a lot of money. Mm. And uh, <clears throat> sometimes I didn't know who to ring. Sometimes I didn't get a contact. But I would go and just DM the person. I'd be like, of course you can ring me. People are nice, you know, people don't want to, oh, they're all the way over there, they don't want to talk to me on the time difference. They do. Mm -hmm. Some of the busiest people, like, I've met, have just made time, like, nothing for me. Mm -hmm. This is amazing. And so we just try and do the same thing. Mm. And, uh, yeah, it's good. So, anything else you want to add? We've been talking for a good amount of time. This has been very good, so appreciate it. Good. Um, yeah. Anything you want to add at this point? <laughs> I'm very humbled and I'm very very grateful that I get to do what I love every day mm. and it, and I get paid for it. Yeah. <laughs> like at the end of the, well. at the end of the day that's us, yeah. that's kind of that's what's really amazing to me is that we get to we get to stand on stage and make funny faces and yeah. you know make crazy shapes with our bodies and and pretend to be other people and just do these crazy things and we can we can do it for a living i just yeah. feel that I, I still i still have to pinch myself yes. <laughs> pinch myself that that that's <laughs> possible because in in new zealand at least it didn't necessarily feel like it was possible it, yeah. it always you know it yeah you always had to do other things to survive but just knowing that you can do that as a full-time job and that that can be that can be what you do you know that i find that so amazing here mm. in, in this part of the world so yeah i'm i'm every day so so grateful to be able to go into work and just feel that that energy feel that passion feel that uh that like vibrancy that yes. you get from from doing this profession mm -hmm. Yeah, I love it. Yes, mm. me too. Good, thank you very much. Thank you. And just quickly, Anna remembered some chorus excerpts you should learn if you're auditioning for choruses. Here they are. So other, other common chorus excerpts, a lot of Wagner. Uh, so all of the big Wagner choruses. Think like Fliegende Holländer, uh, Meistersing von Nürnberg, stuff like that. They're, they're usually asked for as well, mm -hmm. uh, especially German houses. So... Yeah, it's good to familiarize yourself with some of them. Mm. Yeah. Is there any particular chorus excerpts of those? <clears throat> mm. I've been asked for a few from Fliegende Holländer mm -hmm. quite a few times by different houses. So I, that's a good starting point. <laughs> yeah. What else? I guess it'd be good just to familiarize yourself. With the recordings. Yes, completely. Know a bit of the records as well. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's 
again, we're kind of going off on a tangent now, but that's that's something I encourage people to do is to really uh, dive deep into recordings and repertoire and just go exploring. Yeah. Just just learn it, you know. Good. Yeah. That's it. Thank you so much for listening to So You Think You Can Belto. We thank the artists who have donated their time to make this information available to our audience. Be sure to subscribe to the show on your favourite podcast platform and follow us on social media. Our handles and links are in the episode description. If you have a topic you'd like covered, a question you'd like answered, or you'd like to recommend a guest, please get in touch with us at soyouthinkyoucanbelto at gmail.com. You can also support us with a little donation which will go towards thanking our interviewed artists. Ciao a tutti! Ciao!